You're a happy couple, they have names. It's Mickey Wolfman. Is it always in the paper? The real estate big shot? Can't tell anyone about this, Doc. Huh? Huh? Deaf and dumb, part of my job. How do I reach you? You don't. I moved out of my old place, staying where I can anymore. Don't ask. Hey, room here. Me down my car. Someone might be watching. Never did let me down, Doc. Don't worry, I'll No, I mean really. Ever. Sure, I do. No. You are always true. I don't have to go. Watch your toes. Welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, we take all things film to the full effect. I'm Ed, and this episode I'm joined by my favorite two hippies and Sean. Good morning, Film Effect. As well as my boy Justin Boyd. Hello, hello. And if you happen to be a fellow cinephile like us, or just a casual fan of film in general, then you come to the right place. Every week we do deep dives and touch lives. Focusing on a particular film each episode in an effort to give it that full film effect treatment. But before we fire up that J and kick things off, I want to let you guys know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the-film-effect-podcast, as well as all major platforms, direct link in the episode notes. Guys, did you know that about half of our listeners check us out on Apple Podcasts? Did you know that? No, that doesn't surprise me, but I did not know that. That's why um, I listen to the show. Thank them. That's, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I, I do not prefer that operating system. That means nearly half of our families could be letting us know how we're doing by leaving us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts after the episode ends. So help us grab that algorithm by the balls and let us know your thoughts and opinions as soon as the episode's over or just about the Film Effect podcast in general. Well, I mean, Android users, too. You guys can rate us up on, you know, the Google Play platform. Everyone else, do as Sean says. Check it out. Yeah, man. Dig on it, man. You can find us at the Film Effect Podcast. Gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Well, hang Facebook. on. Since you're letting us, since you're, since you're chiming in on that, where can we be found on, you know, the popular <laughs> socials such as Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, it's going to be the Film Effect Podcast, Ed. And how about that Twitter sphere known as Twitter? And Film Effect Pod. And if you want to send us an electronic, yeah, an electronic tongue-tied piece of mail, 
<laughs> on the, across the World Wide Web. You want to send that to www.thefilmeffectpodcast at gmail.com. It's a lot of W's. <laughs> www. 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 So, fellas, how was Thanksgiving? Mm. Nice. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, you had like a. I have a rainbow, man. Yeah, that's. It's, I mean, look, man. One number of thing. I mean, I had. It's, it's my mom's in Florida, dad's passed on. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any other media family. The only media family I got is Mandy's parents. And why the fuck am I going to make Warren and Sandy cook for us for the second weekend in a row? Mm-hmm. They they already fixed us like a big birthday kind of because our birthdays are a couple weeks apart. Well, it means Thanksgiving. Weren't they already cooking? No, 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 no. There was there's there's just us, man. For four people, uh. fuck you can make. Why are you just gonna go? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know people, people that for, cook for like three people. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not judging. Raisin, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm a ham and raisin sauce type of guy. I mean, you, you fellas got I me miss. beat. I didn't have a Thanksgiving. Well, I did, but at, yes. last minute I ended up talking to my sister-in-law and then she invited me over to the house with my brother and ate with them because my mom woke up sick, so she postponed Thanksgiving to Friday, yesterday. So you guys still did something. I was working. I had to work oh, 10 hours yesterday. So. This is the, the, the most depressing Thanksgiving celebration. Yeah, I had a ham and cheese sandwich. I feel guilty for having a decent Thanksgiving. Not in the end, I went to a dinner. I had I had that dinner moment. Everybody else went out on Black Friday and got like TVs and all this. Got me a car. That's right. Got me a whip. Back on the road. Oh, you missed that, didn't you? Oh, wait, wait, what? Yeah, they carry out there as well. Really? Yeah. All right, you can finally drive your ass to my place to record these. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yes, sir. Very good stuff. Yep. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. All right. That is awesome. Shit. So, speaking of Black Friday, did you guys take advantage of any of those deals that were going on? I don't do that shit. Man. I, I did, but I mentioned it a couple so episodes back about the Best Buy thing, so... Yeah, that, was my, that was my Black days. Friday. I was doing the... $10 4Ks. The 50%... Criterion collection. Yeah, I did pick up uncut gems the other the other day before yeah. I went to work. I picked I it up. The, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Elephant man. Yeah, he showed yeah. up here with it. He, he unboxed it in front of me right before we. That was a cool up. package. You know, I love it when <clears throat> Criterion does the uh, digi packs. I'm embarrassed to admit this. I still haven't seen Uncut Gems. Oh, I'm sorry, man, what? I know. Love it. I, know, I, like, I don't know I how I'm, I just haven't gotten around to it. It's what it's, it's what I call the Ratner ride. We should watch it after this recording. I, yeah, yeah. I'm up for that. I'm yeah, up for that. Yeah. I've been wanting to see, like, Amanda doesn't care, and it's like, so I just haven't found the time. Uh, when dude. I've had the time to watch something, I try to knock something off my DVR, because I got my DVR, like, mm. to the breaking point, so it's like... Right, we'll right, all watch right. it, and yeah. then tomorrow on Monday, you can listen back on uh, my episode on uh, the film. That was my third or fourth episode back. Yeah. Well, not back, but overall, my third or fourth episode. Yeah, it's back in the beginning. Back when it was a solo cast. Oh, did you, you did it on, uh, yeah, I really, did it on Cut Gems, yeah. I'm sure I listened to it. Or maybe, you know what? I might have skipped it because I don't want to know anything about it. I still don't know anything about it, or very little, like, going into it. So uh, Kevin Garnett. Well, we're going to change that. You're going to watch it. Yeah, I guess, no, I'm, so. I'm, I'm up yeah, for that. Kevin I'm, Garnett, an open motherfucker. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, so have, <laughs> have you been uh, reading the reviews of Licorice Pizza? No, I'm avoiding them. Okay. I again, I want to go in not knowing anything about so it. So I won't so. say a thing then. I'll, yeah, no, I'll just I'm, skip past this I, part. I'm avoiding, Shit. I'm avoiding reviews. Okay. You know where the title comes from, right? Mm-hmm. It's the Abbott Costello bit. Am I, am I correct? I don't know about the Abbott and Costello thing. It's the name of the record store, right? 
Yes, but but what it was was, um, if I'm not mistaken, the the actual term licorice pizza came from an Abbott and Costello. I might have read that, but I'm where not, um, they, they, you know, they, they couldn't right figure now. out how to sell. You know, they had these new vinyl things. They couldn't figure out how to sell them. He's like, oh, just tell people they're licorice pizzas. All right. I, I, I buy right. it. Makes sense. All right. Shout outs. Shout out to his family. Shout out to uh, Josh in your next favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the new deep dive, I, the, the Plains Trees Automobiles, and the shout out at the very beginning of it was uh, pretty awesome to hear. Did you listen to it? Did you hear it? I haven't heard no, it. No, no, I haven't. I, I haven't like the first thing he does is they acknowledge us in our episode that hasn't even, as of this recording, right even came out yet. Yeah, Josh good peeps, man. Josh. Yeah, Josh is really good. Josh is really good Him and I are personal friends on Facebook and everything. He's, nice. a, he's a really good guy. Nah, he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Speaking of Facebook, when are you getting back on, Justin? Never. When are you making your yeah. grand return? Facebook is the devil. <laughs> what, of, what is your Twitter I, I'm, name I'm, this I'm week? Ashamed, I'm ashamed of myself for being on Twitter. It's like <laughs> What's I your a, name this week on there? It's Paul Thomas Anderson, Buttholes and Walkman, Buttholes and How. It's, a, it's a Dead Milkman song. Oh, wow. <laughs> Anderson... Uh, I love Anderson, it. Walkman, Buttholes, and Hell. Nuggets. So Paul Thomas Anderson. There you, got, there you all go. Follow Justin. <laughs> Big Paul Thomas Anderson. At what? In my backyard. Oh, I, I made it really easy to get to. It's Kundalini Hand 73 <laughs> at Twitter.com. Is that the way it goes? At yeah, Twitter. You know, at Twitter? It's, it's at Kundalini Hand yeah, 73. I, I'm about to deactivate it, I think. Like. <laughs> Dude, when I saw when I saw what you created, I'm like, that makes so much fucking sense. I know that guy. Like, if I if I hadn't seen you in like six years, I would have found. I'd be like, oh, that's Justin. Let me see what he's up to. <laughs> All right, it's current events. So, with the new Ghostbusters film comes a new batch of controversy that begs the question: fan service, yay or nay? I'm a nay. I'm I'm a nay guy. Like I used to at first think it was fun, but like now, sometimes that's all it is. Okay. There's there's nothing more than that, and it's like I don't need. So I can't convince you one way or the other to go see. No, I'm going to see. I'm not going to go see it. I'm not going to see it in the theater unless I take my kids to go see it. I'm not going to see it in the theater. So okay. I mean, I think I I think it's worth that. I will see it when it comes out on cable. Is the way I'm going to view this movie because we went. Opening night, Dolby Theater, ten forty five. I had right after work I picked up my daughter and we went with uh my boy Burleson. And uh yeah, I wasn't really gonna talk about the film uh right real quick, but I just give my overall thoughts in general. Um huge thumbs up from this guy. Um yeah, I was one of those millions of people who were talking about being overwhelmed with emotion at the end. Like, I was actually crying. Like, I look over at Brian and I'm like, "This goddamn movie's making me tear up." What the fuck? No, I, I like and, that you got that. I, I I'm happy really, that people are enjoying it. It now. really got me. I don't me. think I'm going I'm to enjoy it. I'm not going to talk about way. what it is, but I'm sure you two know by now. Read the spoilers. Right, right, right. No, I, 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 I actually, I have not. Okay. I've, I've, I've well, been I'm not going to say any Well, then, well. Keep it that way. Yeah, let's talk. Let's get back. I will, I will get, around to, I get around to it. Uh, the, what, what I well, now you got the whip. Is, go see it. You and Mandy this week. <laughs> making a point to see it. I'm serious. Making right, a point right. to see it, bro. Get well, your Ecto one. I tell you what. Get your toss, Ecto one. I tell you what. I tell you what. Um, <laughs> toss me. Toss me your movie pass. Log in, and let me get a two for one. Um, I gotta renew that. I forgot. Shit. Thanks for reminding because me. Because what I what what me and this guy have over you is seeing one or two. In a theater. Well, there's a funny story if we ever get to a part two episode that 
I guess I'll yeah there's a story behind that which I was this close to seeing it in the theater when I was five and I remember <laughs> there's a story behind it so if we ever get to Ghostbusters 2 I'm that, that's going to be my story I stole time. money out of my so, mom's purse to go see Ghostbusters. Wow. Miss <laughs> Pat, you're listening. No, she knows. She knows. Oh. She's like, you motherfucker, you ever take shit like that and just put pennies back again? I'm going to punch. I'm like, Mama, I want to see Ghostbusters. So I took a bunch of quarters out. All right, so. That was back when the Golden Ring movie ticket was like four fifty. dollars right, right. So I was going to handful of quarters. I can go see Ghostbusters too. All right. But I replaced it with a bunch of pennies and she busted my ass. So it wasn't worth the crime. So, oh, it was still worth the crime. I, I had a big grin on my face when I was getting yelled at that. All day. right, so Sean, fan service, yay or nay? Where are you at on the topic? Uh, what do you mean? Well, there's been if you've been listening fan to like, there's on, a lot of on, people on talking about fan service. Cool again? It's been no, good for me it's for it, fucking forty years. Uh, that's see, that's the thing. People it's, saying the movie's nothing but rehashings of the first film. Like, oh, remember that? I, I, I can't legitimately speak on. But that. But I'm not talking about it. Ghostbusters. I'm talking about it, it, talk about Ghostbusters was oh, a talk, just, it, just a topic. Rehash, I mean, this is this is the Star Wars Disney overall, movies were the same thing. That's what movies are nowadays. They're just rehashes what, of what, what we grew up on. It's like why not do a completely new story? Like how the Force Awakens was a remake. Of, of a new, new hope. hope exactly like why like and i heard people make the argument well you got to sell it to the new generation it's like no, no. i can show them to show hope, them the film and then exactly you can create a, a, an entire new mind-blowing world Do you know how that many we've never nine year old kids i've showed walter hills the warriors to and they've never been the same set where i'm at on the whole topic is i i, th- I think to to just spread a whole and, and for one I did not think Ghostbusters was overwhelmed with fan service yeah it had a lot but I don't think the movie was just start to finish fan service like a lot of people were saying uh, on that note um, kind of I the less like is I'm more opinion spoiled. you're not like it, it's, I, it's, I know it's I know kind of well, I, I'm breaking away from Ghostbusters now so I'm saying less is more with I, I like it here and there like a nod here and a nod there, right. like two or three times, maybe four. After that, you're pushing it, you know. And even if it, it has to tie into the but story th- in some way, not just as an aside, like you make a comment, like who you're going to break call? the fourth like, wall? Yeah, right. I mean, right. You know what I mean? Like avert your ears, Sean. I can't do that. I mean, <laughs> I can avert my ear. Or avert your ear. <laughs> but no, I was just going to say, you know. Okay, you're fine. I don't think you're going to be able to make the point. All right, Wookie recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? Which one of you two want to go first? Oh, man, I had so much shit. I know, I got a lot of shit, too, but I'm going to narrow it down. I'm going to do a movie... One. And I never thought I would have, like, when it came out, I never gave a shit about it. came out in 95, I believe it was. Living in Oblivion. You ever seen that? Never heard is that the, is that the Steve Buscemi? Steve like, Buscemi plays a filmmaker. Independent movie. filmmaker, yeah, director. It's and it's just it. everything that goes wrong. It's like there's it's, there's literally like act one, act two, act three, and they're each about a different scene that he's trying to film. What's it called again? Living, Living in Oblivion. In Living in Seymour Oblivion. Seymour is no, Seymour like Cassell's not. Oh, no, that's in the soup. That's right, they, right. You're right. No, okay. it's uh, it's no, is the director. Um, who else is it? Catherine Keener. Okay. And then at the time the movie came out, there was this rumor because the guy, the, the guy who made it, Tom DeChillo, made a movie called Johnny Swade. I think it was. Which I've heard of. 
with star Brad Pitt. Where where he had to take Pompadour. He's he's all about his shit. So that was like a super low budget movie. Like a Johnny Bravo. Yeah, that was like a super low budget movie. And then Living in Oblivion is a movie essentially about making a low budget movie. Not that movie particularly I but know you're you know what i mean yeah I got like his you. experience doing that and then the character james legro legros is in it yes yeah. yes and he plays a character that at the time everybody said was modeled on brad pitt uh-huh. brad pitt was in johnny suede right. right and um tom DeCillo denies it but it's kind of hard after that seed's been planted not to see him playing brad pitt i dig it and it makes the movie... The movie's fucking hysterical from start <laughs> to finish anyway. It's it's in my queue. It's, I, I, Watch it's it. on Prime. I'm t- it's one of those movies where you're like, eh. It's, again, it's it's one of those ones where I hover, I'm like, let me find something else, see if I can it's find It's only like else. an hour and a half long, and I was like, all right, I got 90 minutes to kill. It was, that That's the reason yes. why I watched so it. I was worried it was It wasn't like, like I was like, excited for it. I was like, all right, I need a 90-minute movie that's on my DVR. And that was the one I was like, all right, fuck it. Let me watch this thing. I'll probably watch 20 minutes. And I was it worried off. it was going to be like Alexander Rockwell. Exactly. Like, no, yeah. exactly. No, and it, I, I, it, I, I don't it, think his early work. When, when you first, it's not Alexander Rockwell, though. It's Tom DeChillo. And um, when I'm it's, saying, I was, I oh, I got you, that same, like, that John, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you look at it, it looks like Clerks at the beginning because it starts in black, black and, it, and, and throughout the entire movie it flips from black and white to color. A lot of films in the nineties did that. It, it's such there a, was a that, black and white revival. It's in the such 90s, a nineties. If you want to do a nineties time capsule, yeah. it's like a perfect oh, yeah. fucking. Like I, I highly recommend going back and watching it. And then quickly, Sean and I were talking about it when I got here. The Beatles get back on uh, Disney Plus. Oh yeah, no, go, uh, I'm only one episode. In. I haven't even watched the, the all three yet. I, had some, the, the, I was it. halfway. I was halfway through that first episode. Justin came in, and I was. I was glad to. It's I was actually kind of hoping you hadn't. Like I was. I wanted you to walk in and be like, "What the <laughs> fuck is <laughs> this? Oh, no. What have you found?" Oh, no, oh, was sensei. You know, but you had already seen it. Yeah. So. um I, yeah, I was. I was. And I'm not like the up. biggest Beatles guy in the world. No, like, no, I no, like but, the Beatles. I'm but not you like talk a fanatic, about, but it's it's amazing. You talk about getting a peek behind the curtain, yeah. pal. If you want to see how the sausage, like, yeah, you, yeah, you exactly. This is where the fucking magic happens. You're watching them jam. You're hearing songs, recordings, arrangements. You've no, you never heard in sixty fucking years. You kind of got to be a Beatles head though, because it's literally scenes of like four guys sitting in chairs, right? Talking. And it's, and it's never it's, really it's, was. If I have to, yeah, it like, down. if you're not a big still, Beatles guy, it, but, it might but be but like still, a waste you, but of your you time. But you can't deny right. the toe tapping power. It's pretty the amazing. There, there's a sequence where they they show you. Paul McCartney already kind of has let it be like the melody mm-hmm. and like some of the like the first verse. Yes. And there's like a, a five minute sequence of them just arranging that song, there's, and it's and, fucking and, 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 it, it'll blow your mind. Yes, and 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 the, when when they you actually watch them hash out these songs yeah. with no words, they're like exactly. and then they put the words they make up the melody. It's fucking great. It's incredible. The shit that didn't make the cut to let it be in Abbey Road will still blow your fucking mind compared to what's coming out of these pipelines. So what's your recommend this um, Mine's going to be Truman Capote's The Glass House. I was uh, talking to Justin about this. Apparently it was... Um, Not the 2001 version. No, 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 okay. no, 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 This is... This is um, no, it's like an early 70s... It, it, it's actually, it's made for TV, but it's um, Vic Morrow, Billy D. Williams, Alan Alda, 
Yeah, I mean, I like the cast. I he do like that cast. Yeah, yeah. And um, and Clue Gulliger. Clue Gulliger. That seals the deal. That seals the deal. And yeah. then who? Anybody of note directed? Um. I, I really, I, I really can't. Right, so you're record. just talking about who started. But, but, who but basically, what it was, Truman Capote. You know, he did his true crime stuff with you know in Cold Blood, and right? So he was kind of plugged. In. Edward Bunker. Edward Bunker's involved with this flick. Is he? Nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Eddie Bunker's involved with it because what it is, it's basically Alda is. Um, like a like a like a political science professor or whatever, he's at the beginning of the film. It's his first day and Clue Gulliger's first day. Gulliger is a guard and Alda's an inmate. He's doing he's doing time for manslaughter, but he's like a straight laced white collar dude. He's just like crime of passion. He's on his way into the joint, so they're both on the same bus ride coming into this prison, and Vic Morrow is like. The motherfucker that runs the prison, man, like Vic Mars, like the head of your, I guess, you know, if it's, if it's gonna be your Aryan nation or whatever, right? But it's Vic Mars just playing fucking Vic Mars. Yeah, I, I love a good Vic Mars. Yeah, it's, it, this is like Vic Mars doing what he does best with them squinty eyes mm -hmm. and it's just like that steely delivery. And uh, Billy D. Williams is kind of like almost like Alan Alda Shepard because. You know, all this character is still Tim and weak. He's just trying to get through, but he also wants to do the right thing. And Gilliger is the new guard on duty. It's, yeah, it's it's really cool, man. Yeah. I found it on Prime. It's on I Prime? Was, all right, okay. I was texting you about it I'll the other day. For it. Yeah. Um, like, middle of the afternoon, I was just watching. I'm like, dude, you got to check this out. You're like, this cast is in. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Billy D. Williams, like if you only know him as Lando he's Calrissian. He's a couple of scenes, but he's... He's, he's got like he, a whole run in the, in the 70s. It's amazing. He's yeah. in this movie called The Final Countdown. It's amazing. Yes. Hit. It's really cool. Like early 70s Billy D. Williams is fucking awesome. Like I'm a big, big... Brian Song. Yeah, exactly. Brian Song. Exactly. Yeah. The guy did a lot of great shit. In yes. The like... People only know him as Lando Calrissian, no, which is maybe no, no. you know, his greatest role. Guy. Okay, no, okay. you know, you can say that, but he did a ton of other great shit. Yeah, that deserves that deserves a look. Absolutely, yeah. So the Glass House, uh, written by Truman Capote. I'm keeping an eye for that. Uh, Very good, me too. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit newer with mine. Uh, mine's pretty new, actually, and I thought I'd seen it before I owned it, but I just realized the other night I never watched it before. And that's uh, Drew Goddard's follow-up to Cabin in the Woods, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, you just finally got around I to that? Finally that? <laughs> I finally watched it. I finally got around that, to that it. That hotel is based on the, what was it, the Cal Neva Hotel that, that, that uh, Sinatra used to own? I, I think I did it was, that. It, it was yeah. Sinatra owned a hotel that sat on the border mm -hmm. of California and Nevada called it the Cal Neva Hotel. So that was your. That was, oh man, that was. I mean, some now really granted, none of that shit stuff. happened. On, on <laughs> yeah, I know. Frank's yeah, no, it's a good. That is a. That good was good. That's a cool. That's a cool flick, isn't it? That I like that better than Cabin in the Woods. To be honest with you, I'm not a big Cabin in the Woods fan. I, I really like. I actually uh, watched it I on really your like Voodoo. That, you mean you've owned it and I've watched it yeah. twice since you've even watched I never, it once. I never got around to that's it. That's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> so the power of friendship, kids. I was definitely on board the whole entire time. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a little long, but. I but I was kind of surprised at how long it took to get to Hemsworth. To be right, honest. Hemsworth's a bit late in the game on that. When but he shows still, up like, like it packs a powerful punch, and like it really makes <laughs> yeah. the, the runtime. 
it doesn't feel like it's as long once nah, he it enters the film it's, and it's, it's like okay it's this kind of movie because <laughs> it, it, it kind of shifts in genre like throughout that's what he does that's apparently what this guy does it's got a little cabin in the woods right. and eight millimeter, right. and, and, eight millimeter and, and, I like the Nick Offerman identity cameo in the mixed beginning. in yeah huh the Nick Offerman cameo yeah yeah he's the first person you see or first thing you see but yeah, it felt like a lot of like a smorgasbord of films, like I said, mm-hmm. identity and 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 such. But uh, yeah, gang, uh, yeah, gang, check it out. Bad Times at the El Royale um, came out just a few years ago. Yeah, not that old. Yeah, so you're gonna want to get good and fucked up for this meal. This is inherent vice. If it's a quiet night out at the beach and your ex-old lady suddenly out of nowhere shows up with a story about her current billionaire land developer boyfriend and his wife and her boyfriend and a plot to kidnap the billionaire and throw him in a loony bin. I need your help, Doc. Maybe you should just look the other way. But if you're Doc, it may all start to get a little peculiar after that. Michael Z. Wolfman. And Mickey Wolfman. And Mickey Wolfman. Has vanished. So wh- where would I uh, find him? He's technically Jewish, but wants to be a Nazi. And a girl don't necessarily want to get into difficulties with those folks. You got a spare picture I can borrow? Ah! Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're better off with the Nazis. Whoa. Are you all right? Am I? Are you? Ordinarily, we're the ones asking the questions. And your question is, which side am I on? Good question. Wrong answer. Choto, Kirichiro, Dozo, Moto Penekeku, Moto Penekeku, Moto Penekeku, Hai, Hai, Hai. Doc may not be a do-gooder, but he's done good. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. Good luck, Doc. What a wonderful world this would be. Coming just in time for Christmas. Alright, so Inherent Vice follows Larry Doc Sportello, a well-intentioned but inept stoner, hippie, and private investigator in 1970, who is embroiled in the Los Angeles criminal underworld while investigating three cases irrelated by the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend and her her new wealthy boyfriend. Alright, so we're going to combine first time <laughs> and story time. It's the most epic little, story you guys are ever going to hear A little first time show. story time viewing. <laughs> I think this is a fucking great story to be told. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. 
So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. So we went to, I guess you want to call it. It's a press screening. The the Philly premiere. Because we're in Baltimore and we drove up to Philly about an hour and a half up the road. Uh, to this screening I copped uh, advanced passes for and we've been to some of these before at, the, at least I had to a bunch of them well it, check there. me if I'm wrong Sandy wasn't this like one of the first times you guys actually got acquainted it was my I first time meeting him I was going to say I think it's the first time it's the first time you actually yeah, yeah, like met, met him formally face to face right? yeah. because you yeah. guys were you know friends through my social media like, right like each one of you is like, man, if there's another one of you, it's him. Right. So you know when it came to talking to me, and yeah, I feel like I, I, we put it together because I remember I feel I remember feeling bad because like I was supposed to drive. You got to my crib and my tire was bad, and I'm like, dude, I'm yeah, not driving. Fuck, I'm, and, and you know, I see the new Paul Thomas Anderson minute. movie a month before it comes out. I'll right. fucking and drive. It was, right, it was, it was, and it that was, was the thing. It was a few <laughs> weeks before it came out formally, and so it was, we it went, was a, fu- it was a press screen. We went, I mean, well, we, it, I went to a bunch of them, and they weren't like this one because we went, we saw the movie at the the, the Ritz Theater in South Philly, and after it was over. I've been to a ton of these before. I never got invited out to a like a what, what was that like? It a, was a moonshine. Bar. Moonshine. We're, we're That's on right. our way moonshine out. Bar. We're on our way out. We got and, two and, passes. And the PR, the PR girls, like, hey, um, as long as you guys got tickets for the movie, because we have like bracelets or whatever. We got two free drink tickets. She's like, um, each. just head to there's, there's there's this little moonshine bar about two blocks down. You guys get a couple of drinks just for coming to see the show tonight. And we're like, right on. We just got to see the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Now we get these cool moon, moonshine and I turned drinks. To these, I turned to Comped. these two yokels. I'm like, you guys ain't turning into pumpkins in the morning, are you? And they're like, nope. And so I'm like, cool. Let's go down to this moonshine. Bar. No, I was in between jobs at that time. I remember right. that. And I mean, you know, I was still working, but I don't have to do shit the next day. You know, and, and then when we got there... It was all you can eat tacos. That was, that, see, that was ta- the best part. That was, was, like, it was like a taco. Oh buffet. man! And <laughs> it was like a double whammy of surprises. Gang, what we're talking <laughs> about is a fucking buffet. So there's there's this bar that's serving you like all kinds of custom flavored <laughs> moonshine and mason glass, mason yeah, jars. Mason jars, yeah. Right, and everybody with a wristband got two drinks. Well, Ed and Justin each had one. They're like, um. Give my other one to this guy. So, your boy had like five while he was sitting there, but they had a taco buffet, and that motherfucker. Had- Mexican's my favorite. Yes, I, I, I love anything Ed, Mexican. Ed, Ed is a sucker for corn, cheese, beef, <laughs> lettuce, and the <tomatoes>. fixings. <laughs> but they had the whole schmeal. Man, we it just kept great. coming back. And then remember, the girl comes up. She's like, "Um, any, um, you guys got braces on? Anybody want that? Uh, the you poster, got a poster right, there. right?" And you two were like, "Uh, yeah, he'll take it." I did. And I, I wish I was collecting purses at that time because I would have snatched that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't up. like. <clears throat> I had. It, Speaking I kept, of, where is I, it? I I kept it alive. It, it fell apart during the move when we moved. <laughs> oh, when we moved. Oh, when we moved here, it did. It bang, really bang, did. Bang, bang, That's a beautiful really poster. That's a beautiful <laughs> poster. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. Well, the cats didn't help. 
You know? <laughs> Blame the cat. The cat ate my homework. It was fucking. It was. It was. It was. It was a great time. It was one of my. It was a, one of my was, favorite moments. We got shit faced and we snuck beers in. We snuck and beers in. We, we were sitting we, in the we back, were smoking the whole ride up. And we were sitting it was in a the nice little road trip. But the thing that like that like I I couldn't enjoy the movie fully, and this plays into like how I felt about it the first time because. There were literally guards like standing in the aisles to make sure nobody photographed anything. Well, that's was, how they all are. Right, always, right. No, I they get always it. have guys in I black suits. That. Yeah, but we had sucked beers in, and it was like, and uh, we were, they were all looking for and that. And we shit. were like eight feet away from the guard, so it was like, <laughs> and I knew that if I cracked the beer and the guard heard it, like my my main concern was, weren't we close to the wall? Yeah, we were close to the, next to a wall or something. Yeah. We were by, we were like in the back by a wall. It wasn't yeah, a big the guard, theater. Yeah, it, it was, was a small like, theater. Yeah, it was. It was down an escalator. So that's what I mean. Even in that shitty ball. seat, the guard wasn't far away. And I don't give a shit about getting caught drinking a beer, but I didn't want to get kicked out because it was the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. If it was the new, like, you know, anybody else... And I think you were sweating me a little it. bit because I kept cracking. I know you were making me nervous. I was like, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I can imagine every time he cracks open a beer, like Justin's like sweat. Comes I was stressed. Yeah, I was stressed because I did not want to get kicked out of the new Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> I wanted to see it start to finish. Like, if it was a preview of like anything else, I wouldn't have gave a shit. <laughs> oh, like, I, I was like, I don't want to get kicked that's out of here. Great. And I was oh. waiting for it to get loud on the soundtrack to crack my beer. You know, I just didn't want to get kicked out. That's all. So, but other than that, you know, we was, had a it fucking. Was, it was, that was yeah, a was great fun. day. I don't know it about was, you. It was a very fun trip. But it was hands. Down I just one told of you my, one of my favorite. One, one of my favorite that. moments of my entire life. <laughs> it was a fun trip. Was that fucking afternoon with you two guys? That fucking road trip up and back to go see this flick that we're about to jab about now. All right, live top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Mm. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a- Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection. The song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. All right, top five favorite Paul Thomas Anderson films. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right, my number five is Inherent Vice. Yeah, I'm um, I'm surprised by this because I think it knocked Boogie Nights out of the top five, but Inherent Vice top five is number five. Right. Um, wow, I'm surprised number, by that. I'm I, I'm, I'm, nobody's more surprised by that than I was. No, no, no. My um, my number five is Magnolia with a reason. Um, get out of here. Just mm, get up and leave. Victor <laughs> <Hey>, Mackey. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I think T.J. Mackey and Les Grossman are the two greatest roles Tom Cruise ever played. Yeah, T.J. Mackey is an, a, an amazing. Role. I mean, Les Grossman is his finest performance. Lex, yeah, that's that's a great performance. No, no, I don't know if it's my favorite, but that's it's a great that's that's hands down Tom Cruise's greatest performance is Les Grossman. Victor T.J. Mackey is second, so Magnolia. My number four is Boogie Nights. Right. My number four, there will be blood. Mm, mine is Inherent Vice. Wow. All right. Yeah. Surprised by that as well. Yeah. My number three is There Will Be Blood. I'm surprised yours is so low. Yeah, and it's only... 
that only reflects on how fucking amazing his filmography yes, is. Yes, I agree with that, that. I mean, any of the the fact that Boogie Nights doesn't crack my top five. Boogie, by the way, Boogie Nights and Inherent Vice. I could probably, if you ask me tomorrow, it might be Boogie Nights. <laughs> nah, could, keep it the way you it know is. what I mean. I, I'm digging it. That, that digging top it. five is is fluid at this point. All right, cool. My number three is Phantom Thread. Nice, I love it. Um, hey, guess what my number three is? Phantom Thread. <laughs> Phantom Thread. Oh, all right. Who's the mushroom? Here's where it gets interesting. Well, not if you don't. Uh, not if you know me. My number two is Punch Drunk Love. Oh, I thought that was going to be uh, your number one, actually. I, I, you know, I, I am surprised that it didn't top your list. Man. Yeah, That's I thought cool. it was going to be number one. That's no. cool. That is my cool. least favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Wow. I pretend that film doesn't exist. My number two is The Master. Right. right on it Ed said that was my honorable mention it I, that yeah. didn't crack oh. yeah it, it, didn't, it didn't I, I understand it it's not it, that's it one of those not for everybody kind it's, of movies no 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 I didn't no, no, believe me I, I, I love it yeah. I do I do but it did I think I, it's a fucking I had, I had to take five so my number two is Boogie Nights okay all right, but yeah, that's no because that. like you you had a great boogie nights opening night story. Yeah, you know I I kind of went in like gangbusters the same way, not dressed like Burt Reynolds like you did. I was I love boogie cool nights shit. by the way. Like yeah. it, it just like again I, I, his I like filmography is so fucking rock solid that yeah. like yeah. the the boogie nights somehow ended up as like number six for me. That that nobody was more surprised by that than me. All right, number one for me is Phantom Thread. Yeah, I can't. Argue I with love that. it to death. For me, it's uh, Magnolia, and I know that's an unpopular opinion, but Magnolia fucking just blows my mind every time. Are you Magnolia lover, Jane Silent Bob? <sighs> Is, was that Jane Silent? Did they say that? Yeah. Was it about the movie? It was the screen name on uh, moviepoopshoot.com. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah, that that is that's maybe the only funny joke in that whole movie. Oh yeah, wow! No. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, no, I'm not that guy literally, but uh, emotionally, yes, I am that guy. All right, Sean, you're number one. I drink your milkshake. I forgot that wasn't on your list yet. Okay, I damn. drink it up. I'm sorry, man. Can't argue with that. I, I can't just, argue with I any of his lo- movies being on I anybody's love number one. You know what I mean? Fucking Daniel Plainview. I love the fact that we all have different number different ones. ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's and 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 they're all fucking great. Like it, yeah. Like can't if, it, like, if, can't. if if I'm either not one of us, any of your if choice. one exactly. of you two said get rid of get rid of one of these two, I'd be like, fuck you guys, we get rid of either one of them. I can get rid of Punch Truck Love. That's it's it. it's fuck, fucking nope. <laughs> And I used to think I could get rid of Inherent Vice until I rewatched it, which yeah. we're gonna get into. I guys. had more fun with it today yeah, than I absolutely. ever did before. Absolutely. Let's start. So the film opens up on Gordita Beach, California, 1970, followed by narration from Joanna Newsom's uh, Sortilege. 
Now, so, should we get into it right off the bat? Is Sword of Liege real or not? No. No, no okay. No. We're all, we're I'm going to get into that. I was, okay. I was, I, 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 right, I, as long I, as we're all in we can move I, forward. I had it deeper into my notes. <laughs> it's very <laughs> obvious in a couple okay, of yeah, exactly. Great minds fucking think alike here on the Film Effect gang. All three of us are, yeah, no, that's, that, that, that is Doc Sportello's conscience. Okay. It's, so the movie opens on a rickety beach house, a young woman, Shasta Fay, played by Catherine Watterson, who are we going to get her out of the way now? Yeah. So let's talk about her. Um, Shasta Faye. No, not her. Not Shasta Faye character. The character. We, can talk, we can talk about her throughout, but I'm talking about the actress. Catherine Watterson. This is the only thing I've ever seen. I know she's been in other shit like those Harry Potter movies, but I've never seen I haven't her. gotten to those yet. Right, I've never I seen I've her I've just gotten else. to Harry Potter in the last this year. This is my only exposure to her. Um, this and Alien Covenant. Uh, yeah, I never saw that. Okay, she was who? who she was what? the lead. She was. I the don't Ripley. give a shit you know about anything after Aliens. Alien Covenant. She was the lead actress. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She was like one of the survivors, right. as you would the final girl, as you yeah. would put it in horror terms. Totally, you know, and and go back and rewatch. I just picked it up. Have in you 4K. seen Covenant? I have, and you don't remember a thing about it, I, which is exactly the reason me. why I didn't. She see escapes it. me. Yeah, that, that's why I'm a big defender of color. Are you really? I am. I, I really did. I've that's never seen Danny anybody McBride, defend, right? I just rebought it in 4K. I've never seen anybody wholeheartedly defend it. That's Danny McBride driving a spaceship. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about the one from Prometheus? Do you like that one? Franco's in it and, like, sort of in it. Do you like Prometheus? I've never seen I'm not really a big Prometheus fan. I'm not. But you like Covenant. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw Prometheus in 3D. Because, yeah, Ridley Scott back and had that alien root. Ridley Scott, I think, is... It wasn't even about him. Like, I, it he's was, got it was like just about three great movies and then uh, a lot of shit. Contrary to the bullshit that's come out of his mouth lately, I'm talking about like as a filmmaker, I've always dug his work a lot more when I was younger than I do today. Yeah. But the I'm, whole, I'm starting to think Tony Scott was better. But yeah. it really didn't play a part. In, I, it could have been anyone who directed that movie, and I still would have been a fan of it either way, just as much because yeah. I feel that. Um, uh, so really Scott. Really Scott. So, yeah, yeah. And he, he, it doesn't matter. I want to like him more than I do. You know what I mean? Because well, people kind of like dig really Scott. I'm like, I, th- I think that he yeah. really, I don't see, I don't want to say necessarily help this movie. Uh, I, I guess I was going to already say, or maybe I did start, start to say it, but I, it could have been directed by anybody. Yeah. Anyone could have made this movie and I would have liked it just as much. And. The movie, I think, it has it goes back to the original its roots. Like I was saying, um, it it's got you bring back the xenomorph that was missing um, from Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the face but is hugger. it like a remake of Alien? Is it like just no, like people trapped no. on a spaceship? It's an thing? original thing. Is it's it? different. Okay. See, that's what turned me off. I'm like, here's another what we were talking about earlier, nostalgia. It's and like, it does just tie in. Alien. It does tie into Prometheus. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you have Fast, Fast Bender back as the, uh, David, I believe his name was. I haven't seen, excuse me, I haven't seen Prometheus in years. Now, when you were a kid watching Alien and Aliens, did you ever... I grew up one, with them. I had the VHS trilogy. Exactly. Did you ever for one second go, gosh, if only they would show me how all this started. No. No, nobody gives a no. fuck. No. That's, that's my point. It's like, an excuse cares? to make a new movie. Why are movie? we doing this? Because that's... it's an excuse to make a movie. But I think the it's box... It's an excuse to make a new movie. The box office returns and the cultural impact of those movies indicates that nobody fucking cares. 
Prometheus. They're to my, not like rem- beloved movies. To my recollection, Prometheus made money. I remember Covenant. Either it just barely hit that break even point exactly. or lost nobody money. cares that's my point it, like, and now they're making a, a hulu series they keep churning the same fucking garbage back at us and it's we like, can just, seal the, just, the lid on the alien franchise yeah just give Re-open up on the it whole... in a couple decades maybe when i'm just too old to care yeah just but just start some, doing some new shit that's covenant was good and just yeah. leave it at that you know what about Alien on Earth? We had that. Requiem. Did you see that now they're doing like a Blade Runner TV show? Like, oh. yeah, like who the fuck needs more Blade Runner? I love Blade Runner is one of my all-time favorite movies. But do we need like different iterations of it? Like, just leave it alone. I don't understand. I mean, I, mean, I do. I, I do understand. It comes down to like a franchise that people recognize and you try to capitalize on. I, I get it from a dollars and cents thing, but has any of this shit taken off in any significant way? Like, no, it's There's just, an audience. There really is. Well, is, it a, is it that big of an audience? I don't think it, I'll, no, I don't think it's a, a, as big. Who no, I, t- I don't think I it's tried, big enough to warrant a successful I gotta be honest with you, I tried to get through, I tried to get through 2049 again the other night. It's not a bad movie, but I, I don't, I'm not gonna go back gotta, and watch it the way I, I, I do I, originally. I gotta, I gotta stop starting it as late as I do because it's a bit of a I mean, then again, I'm the, I'm the worst person to talk to about Blade Runner because I've never seen them. You never seen either one. We've been so through this a million I was, times. I, I had to see. I, I'm borrowing your copy of the first film on DVD. <laughs> That's right. You do have mine. <laughs> I should. I need bought. a list of what you have in mind that you haven't watched in like two. Well, you years. got my you possession. You got all my fucking Wong Kar Wai movies. And you've got possession. Yeah, I got possession. I borrowed three weeks ago. You got my Wong Kar Wai movies. You've had for two years now. Come on, <laughs> watch them. Goddamn it! And I was just thinking the other day. <laughs> I saw Joker, and then he gave me a shitload of DVDs Watch The King of Comedy That was two already. years ago. Have to, you gotta watch I'm gonna. I got a lot of shit to do. I run a podcast now. Give me a break. I gave you a handful of good shit. You gotta yes, watch. you did. You gotta watch, man. It, and I'm gonna make it a point to watch them. They're all life-changing. I'm Eventually. <laughs> They're all Instead of making your weekly recommend last okay. week's episode of fucking Chucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen. Shut the fuck up, and let's get back on track here. So we gotta film. <laughs> Now, you guys ever no. told me where you came in on a Ridley Scott's <laughs> Legend? Anyway. Legend's one of the best movies ever made. That's right. I adore Legend. Right. Was, I was in, I had to see a man about a horse. I don't know if so, you guys were talking about it. No. Shasta Faye. Shasta Faye Hepworth. So she walks to the house, uh, docks his, his, his home. Ah, what she, she she's going to be wearing? We're told she is the homeowner's ex-old lady, and tonight she was all in flatland gear, hair a lot shorter than he remembered, yeah, looking just don't. like she wore we, she'd never look. Normally she'd have rolled up in sandals with a bottom half of a flower print bikini and a country Joe and a fish t-shirt. Ah. But not tonight. So what are these? Well, these are passages from Thomas Lynchon. Lynchon? Pynchon. Pynchon. He makes very dense, hard to comprehend novels. Like Inherent Vice might be his most... This is based off a book. Inherent Vice might be his most straightforward, like, you know what I mean? Like, he did did Gravity's Rainbow, which is notoriously... A difficult to read, like they're, you they're, know what I mean. The passages pulled from the and book, and he's and he's 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 very reclusive. Too, yeah, he's he's kind of like a Salinger type. And then I the, started reading Inherent Vice, and I got like maybe 
80 pages in and I lost interest. I Now, after watching it again, I think I want to go back and give it another shot. They take passages and they sprinkle them throughout the film yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, so Shasta's ex-boyfriend is revealed as Doc Sportello, played by the great Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, yeah, amazing. Uh, who's sporting the baddest burns in the there's mutton chops his look throughout the entire like the, yeah. his, his clothes everything his hippie look is really on point like we talked about it with Phantom Thread but Paul Thomas Anderson's attention to detail like I think it rivals yeah. even Kubrick that's kind like, of the hot the reason why I'm looking forward to this upcoming pizza, yeah, pizza yeah, like, so much. Like his movies, it's really, his you look like you were dropped in the era. Yeah, like the era of where it's happening. It's, it's, like, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not glossy and, and set design Nothing like Linklater's yeah. Dazing and Fuse. Not, exactly. Nothing's too on the nose. <laughs> it, it really looks very natural and lived in. Yeah. There are scenes of Sh- like Shasta later on where her like... She's she's butt naked, but her, yeah. like the bottoms of her feet are fucking just filthy because right. she's yeah. she's a hippie just walking right. around. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like docks, the docks attention to detail is his his feet are filthy. The attention to detail is so fucking spot on, and none of it looks like a parody of the time. On. Right. It, it looks like you're watching a movie that that was filmed and lived in it. Not that even time. that you're watching a film, like like you said, like you're dropping. You're right in. there. Yeah. You're just. It's it's amazing. His attention to detail is fucking par none. Like, it helps it, you it's immerse amazing. yourself in the world. Yeah, in every one of his movies, hands down. So Doc is both a private investigator and a hippie dopehead who is always a bit dazed and confused. Shasta tells him about her new lover, Mickey Wolfman, and asks Doc to help prevent a plot by Mickey's wife and her lover to have Mickey abducted and committed to insane to an insane asylum. This is just to cut you off. No, you're good. So, this is a neo-noir. Yeah. And you got to view it. Absolutely. You don't have to view it through that lens, but it helps to view it. It really helps to have that mentality. It helps to view it through that lens. Yeah. So, maybe... The, the, the most famous neo-noir is Chinatown. But maybe the first neo-noir is Robert Altman's A Long Goodbye. Mm-hmm. That's the lens to view this movie through. Hands down. There's so much Long Goodbye. And Paul Thomas Anderson famously was friends with Robert Altman. Yeah. Uh, quote, unquote, directed Robert Altman's last movie. Magnolia and Boogie Nights are pure Altman you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Almond slash Scorsese. Just, just, just the, the, the snap flashes dialogue over yeah, top of one another. Altman was obviously a big influence on, on him. Yeah. And he nails these period pieces so fucking well. That's, it's that's his fucking the attention to detail is, he is, is just sick. He rivals late, Tarantino. Late, yeah, really late, late 70 Southern California. Whoever his production PTAs, design people are and his costumers are just... They deserve every fucking award that's ever been made. Yeah. Like, give them Grammys. Give them, like, it doesn't even have to be shit that has to do with costuming. Just give them everything because right. they're that fucking good. Like, right. the shit looks like you're right there. Right. It's amazing. In every one of his movies, not just this one, all of them. It's it's, it's disgusting how, like, that attention Real to detail. Feels. Yeah. 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 And what does he say? It's like deaf, deaf and dumb is part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> so Doc asks why she came to his place and she suspects that he has been being watched and by showing up at his house. It just looks like a secret rendezvous. All right. So to me, in my notes here, I have it, it's like watching the dude trying to be a PI from out of his apartment. There's a little bit of Dashiell Hammett going on here. Well, with, no, with he the said lady. the dude. 
the dude. You're talking, we're Big talking Lebowski. Big Lebowski at that point. Right, right. But, but um, the Coen brothers were heavily influenced by the Dashiell Hammett. Dashiell Hammett and uh, who was the big sleep? What was the, that was uh, Marlowe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The big sleep, when you watch the Big Lebowski, that is like pure big sleep. It's what it was. It, 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 did you watch Cutter's Way yet? I haven't finished. No, you cocksucker. The Big Lebowski is the big sleep in Cutter's Way. Um, Inherent Vice obviously has a little bit of Big Lebowski, but it's a lot of... Like, watching it again, I was like, yeah, there's a, a lot of long goodbye in this fucking movie. Yeah, going no, into it, I felt that I it was going to have a... I was kind of afraid it was going to have a little bit too much Lebowski influence. Right, and there's really but not it, there's much. Really not, really not much, yeah. No. Uh, the film sets up a lot of questions early on, but I feel like that keeps the the viewer engaged, especially knowing it's a, a Paul Thomas Anderson film. And he, I didn't know whether to get into this later. Did I'm, you say sets up a few questions? Yeah, this movie's nothing but it sets up a. I said fucking, it sets up a lot of questions. It sets up a lot, like a fucking. So here's juggling. the thing: a lot. The first time that we when we went to that preview. At the end of it, I wasn't a big fan of this movie. I was like, it was funny. I laughed a lot. Right, but I but I had no fucking idea what, what was going on. No, like, I, no. I I couldn't follow the mystery whatsoever. No, okay. And then I watched it again on cable <clears throat> when it came out on cable, and I was like, I like it even less the second time. So that's why this movie was like only above Punch Drunk Love at the bottom of my Paul Thomas Anderson list. Yeah, <laughs> until until. This recent viewing where I'd like really fucking like analyzed it. Right. And now it's in my top five all of a sudden. Like I'm <laughs> like I totally changed my opinion on this. But it was so hard to follow the first couple it was, of times. It, it was. I mean, and, that and it annoyed me. I thought it was just because I was stoned and drunk. It, and that was probably part of it. At the theater. Yeah. But it was it's a lot to take it's in. It's a lot it's, to it, take it in. It runs what? A little almost two and a half yeah. hours. when we talked about Suspiria being a dense movie. Like this, this is this is a fucking this is dense the, movie. This is this is the smartest stoner comedy. Exactly, yeah. You're ever gonna come right. across. But your first time you can't just smoke a joint and go look at yeah. it. It's not gonna work. You gotta take the film in for what it is the first time. You gotta kinda look at it in like a well, a there's free a spirited lot. mind, you know. Yeah. And that's why I thought it was funny, but I knew that there was a lot more going on that I just wasn't picking up on. Right. And it's the same thing when I saw There Will Be Blood. So There There Will Be Blood came out in two thousand seven, which was like well into the Bush administration and it was about oil. So I was like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson is making this movie that's criticizing our addiction to big oil. Like, right. that's that's going to be his grand statement on oil. And, like, when it came out and I saw it, it wasn't that at all. And I was like, well, that was like a three-hour character study. Yeah, yeah about power. Exactly and I was kind of bored. I was like, eh, it was, it's okay. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, yeah, fucking that's a good movie. Riveting. But then I watched it the third time. And the fucking light went off over my head. And I was like, oh my God. You're supposed to be looking at DDL. I was like, this movie's not about oil. It's about fucking capitalism. It's about America. It's right. like it's like so much bigger than what I initially thought it was going to be. That's how Inherent Vice was. Inherent Vice, like, I didn't see what it's really saying. It's like, it's a real subversive, like, fucking countercultural statement. And I just, I wasn't picking, because it's so dense I wasn't picking all that shit up the first two times I watched it. It took that third viewing for the fucking light bulb to go off over my head and go, oh my God, this movie's saying a lot of shit that I just wasn't picking up. Get him hooked. Get him fixed. Get him hooked. Yeah. Get him fixed. Exactly. 
Get them hooked. Right. Exactly. Get them fixed. Yeah. So after Shasta leaves, we get the title card as we see Doc's hippie ass meeting up with his stoner <laughs> buddy Dennis with the, the golden fang yeah. ship visible in the background in the ocean. I didn't Isn't even that the beginning? That. They as they walk the in between the houses. Ship, the oh, yeah. you see the golden fang ship sailing back to, to, off the horizon? You see it very faintly. I never even yeah. noticed that. There's a ship that. out there and it's apparent. And that's, nice. I've read that that's the golden fang yeah. ship. Nice. So, and by the way, the ship is very important. And again... I hate because whenever I come on here, I'm the egghead. Like I'm the guy who says like, <laughs> "This means this," like symbolically. But like, but we, but when I come on, we talk about like kick-ass movies that that warrant that kind of introspection. So That's like, why we bring you on here, dummy. The Golden Fang is like really representative of different things throughout the course of the movie. So the fact that like I never noticed that the fact that you're pointing out that it was in the background in the very first fucking shot it's of the movie there. is like that means a lot. That yes. really that symbolically means a lot, and it makes sense to what the boat means symbolically throughout the movie. That that I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, then we see them hanging out at a diner with sort of liege, sort of liege, yeah, sort of liege, sort of liege, sort of liege. Sitting sure. there, sort of leash. By the way, I had to look at. I'm not going to pretend that I knew what this is. Is it like a Greek? I, I was. I it's knew like if anybody's um, going to tell me what sort of leash meant. It was going to be you. Yeah, hold on, I had to write it down. Is, is it it, like, but it, it's it like, like a um, almost like a tarot kind of thing, where it's like a, a foretelling in the future, divination, okay, fate, that kind of thing. Yeah, like a soothsayer, a soothsayer. Okay, and, and fate ends I up being it. a big bubbling subtext right, throughout the movie. Right, right, and that, that's what that's the importance of her character. So sort of Liege is sitting there sort of admiring Doc while he's talking about Shasta stopping over for his help. She tells him to follow his intuition and then to change his hair. Intuition. Which, which uh, leads to Doc calling his aunt who's hilariously getting ready for a live one. And who is this chick? Is she, I don't know who she is. She's in succession. Is she? Yeah, Who she, is she she um she showed up in um not 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 this past week's episode but the um the the, the retired janitors from Idaho episode. Right. She's she's one of she's one of like um I don't know what she does. She's one of Logan's fucking flunkies or whatever. But um oh. yeah, that's I I noticed it today. Right. Like when I was watching Succession, I'm like I've seen her somewhere before. And then watching Inherent Vice today, I'm like, that's that cool. She kind of reminds me of um, um, what's her name, Mindy Cohn from Facts the Awesome Powers movie. <laughs> Mindy Cohn was back. Uh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> not Mindy. Oh, that's not her name. That's <laughs> that's not. Am her I name. wrong? Is that Mindy Cohn? <laughs> right. I know who you're talking about though. But go on. There's a um, lot of people showing up in succession this season, by the way. <laughs> Stephen Root popped up. The guy who plays the vice president also happened to be, he was the vice president in season one of uh, House of Cards. Mark Lynn Baker shows no. up. Like, what the oh, fuck's yeah, that Mark. guy been doing since Perfect Strangers? Yeah, exactly. And then Justin Kurt from, if you guys are fans of the show Weeds, he played Andy. He uh, shows up. I think his name was Andy. <sighs> Anyway, he's the guy who had that <laughs> moment with uh, uh, Roman in the bathroom, which kind of made me think nah, there was like some sexual tension going on between them two. 
Anyway, yeah, his name was Andy on Weeds. I was right. Anyway, let's get back to the movie. Yeah, so she's pressed for time. And we see Doc after, you know, the, the previous scene. Sort of Lee was talking about changing his hair. He's sitting on the phone with, like, these blue ribbons hanging. Like, he's got, like, curlers in his hair. Um, did anybody else notice that? Oh, well, yeah. yeah told, he's, he's giving change your hair, perm. change your life, is what she said. Yeah. So, he asked... And his, and his aunt tells him how... Um, how Mickey's been running with the with the Aryan Brothers. Mickey She's laying the first crumbs of what it, what it, we're gonna follow throughout the rest of the story. She tells him about his real estate business from the desert to the sea and how he's technically Jewish but wants to be a Nazi. And she also tells him uh, that he hangs around bikers from the uh, Aryan Brotherhood. Yeah, he's like I, I may have flunked social studies, but um. Uh, Jews and Aryan Brotherhood. I've seen him ever something about hatred. And yeah. this movie's a lot about the way it, it's it's a very much a uh, end of the '60s kind of movie, like the 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 idea that all that peace and love shit lost, right? Like the bad right. guys won, right? That, that's the that's the kind of undercurrent to this movie, and um, so Mickey Wolfson represents a lot of like uh. Like real estate development. At one point, Benicio del Toro says they they want to put a face on Las Vegas, but they don't want it to be an Italian. They want they want it to be a white guy. He's like when Wolfson he, was like, supposed like to be Howard, the guy when Howard Hughes was Wolfman. the guy. Wolfman. Wolfman. Yeah, Howard Hughes is Italian. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't Italian. So Wolfman <laughs> is also a wealthy real estate developer right. that Doc remembers from TV ads. So we see Doc watching uh, TV. And uh, he watches one where, in his drug state, Wolfman appears as Doc's arch rival, the police officer, Bigfoot, asking, What's up, Doc? Hey, man. I don't want you paying rent. Rent's a hassle. I want to see you in your own pad. Howdy, Bigfoot. The Channel View Estates, Artesia's newest and grooviest residential housing development. No buzzkill credit checks, no rip off minimum down payments. That's not your bag. But check this out. Fully equipped kitchen with automatic self-cleaning oven and breakfast nook. Out of sight. Attached one car and available two-car garage. And best of all, a view of the Dominguez flood control channel that can only be described in two words. Right on. What's up, Doc? Bigfoot is the hippie. Big, we're gonna, Bigfoot big is Josh afro. Brolin. Yeah, who we're gonna meet in a, coming up. He's got up. an afro and like a like. So that's the that's the idea. Is it's like the like the right. It's like the idea of the bad guys kind of infiltrating the counterculture. Right. You know what I mean? That that's like a big part of this movie. So hey big, kids, you want to see something groovy? It, it's, Just watch the landfill. It's that. Yeah, right. It, it's that Steve Buscemi. Hit. How you doing, fellow kids? Right, fellow kids. It's that, that's that's the undercurrent of this movie. Is like all like people like Bigfoot. He goes, he's selling real estate, but he tries to do it by putting on an Afro wig and like a paisley shirt and saying, now, "Hey, it would be it would be groovy to be a landowner and not to like doing, pay rent." The reason he's doing that is because he doesn't want to be a cop. He wants to be an actor, right? But I'm saying, like the like he, he the idea, a big idea of the movie. It, it runs throughout the entire thing, is of like these like it's like the cops infiltrating 
the counterculture and getting into the protest movement and trying to like sway it in a way that like so you got things like Bigfoot saying groovy and wearing an afro wig. Well, wait a minute, hang on a second. people real estate. I interpreted this scene differently. I thought that he was just envisioning Bigfoot. And that was my next point. I think that Doc Sportello You're talking is like an unreliable action. narrator throughout this entire movie. Okay. I think, I I think see, in I any scene, in I any scene you have to question whether or not it's really happening right. or whether or not it's in his head. I, I technically, Sir Lee is your narrator. Well, we know that. We yeah, she's the narrator, already, but she's, already, she's a figment of his imagination. Right, exactly. She's both of those. And he's such a, an unreliable narrator by like hallucinating throughout, and they make references to him hallucinating throughout. He admits to it throughout. I think you have to take every scene with a grain of salt as to whether or not it's really happening. Yeah. All right, so Doc meets with uh, Tariq Kali, played by Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. From a local show, The Wire. He's a member of the Black uh, Black Panther-esque group who hires Doc to help him find one of Mickey's bodyguards, Glenn Sharlock, a white supremacist from the Aryan Brotherhood who he met in jail who owes him money. Tariq discusses the history of Los, Angel- uh, Los Angeles' land, Mexicans losing their homes so the Dodger Stadium can be built, American Indians being kicked out of the music center at that music for the music center, its own neighborhood, his own neighborhood, uh, going to build Channel View Estates. That's Wolfman's uh, real estate. Yeah, that's what, no. the, that's what this movie's about. It's about Reagan was the uh, the governor at the time. It's right. about that right wing mentality just like spreading throughout. Well, let's let's throughout let's, the state. Let's talk about I mean, where Doc's office is set up. Well, it's at a gynecologist right. clinic. Hence the doc. And Petunia, his... The doc, I got that, yeah. yeah. And Petunia, his uh, you're receptionist... Just, you're just now putting that together? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> the way he put it, though, is funny to say, me. The show Petunia the is played by Maya, Maya Rudolph, Rudolph, who is Paul Thomas Anderson's girlfriend. Right. They're, oh, not they're, not they're not married. They're not officially married. No. I, I thought, I, I guess they're... It's and like, 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 the reason like, she's... Like Sam Robbins and Susan. Exactly. And, and, this yeah. is her first role of, in his movie. Right. In his movies, did I say that right? No, you're right. I put that in my words. Yeah, in correct top context. But anyway, what I'm saying is, she's visibly pregnant. Together, right? Yeah, no, no. Oh, she's pregnant in this. And room, that's why she? she sits behind a desk the whole movie because right. you can tell there's a side shot where you can tell, oh look, her belly's showing because that's why she's sitting behind there. Yeah, I mean, I hate you're right. The, you're I'm right. Just being and she's, pregnant. she's pregnant with the director's kid. Yeah. Talk about job security. I mean, <laughs> right? Maybe he made her audition. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you just put Paul Thomas Anderson and Maya Rudolph on a casting couch, you pervert. No, wow, you just put it that way. Okay, who's the pervert now? So we should also talk about Doc in this part. He's also writing on his pad with stoned out notes like paranoia alert. Yeah, again, hallucinating. It shows that he's not a reliable narrator. Like right. you, got, you got to question what, what it is that he's, the information he's imparting to us. So on his way to visit Mickey's Channel View Estates project, we see that Sorta Liege is definitely a figment of his imagination, as she describes the setting sitting next to Doc, but then disappears. Long, sad history of L.A. land use. Mexican families bounced out of Chavez Ravine to build Dodger Stadium. 
American Indians swept out of Bunker Hill for the Music Center, and now Tariq's neighborhood, bulldozed aside, Channel View Estates. That's the first. Of yeah, that that that's that that's the most obvious. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. He enters the only business in the developing strip mall, a massage parlor, where he meets an employee, Jade. As it's a developing told, strip mall. It's a cul-de-sac in the desert <laughs> with a surrounded by like red and white fucking flags. Because as he's that's coming that, in, we see the whole like brotherhood of bikers right. leave, and there's like a trailer set up in the middle where hand jobs happen. <laughs> so. so <laughs> It's it's the ch- it's Chick Planet. Yeah, it's Chick Planet. Jade <laughs> tells him. Jade's great, by the way. This, about this actress is amazing. The pussy. Oh, she's fucking. She's just so fast. The pussy eater special. Fourteen ninety five. Not like that's not a groovy amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> Before being demonstrated with another girl. She calls her out. She opens the door. So like she opens a little beaver hole. So meanwhile, he goes and searches uh, doctors and searches the premises. I think you hear the word pussy eater more often here than you do coming out of Cheech Marin's mouth and fucking from Dust Oh, God. And that rivals. (laughs) Pussy, pussy, pussy. uh, Come on, eat a pussy lover. He's hit with a baseball bat and collapses. That reaction is It's great. He turns around. (laughs) He turns around like he wants to fight and he just falls over. (laughs) Don't fucking love that bit. He does. He turns. Brothers comedy, yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. The same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So he wakes up in the desert, lying next to Sherlock's dead body. <coughs> so Sherlock is played by Christopher Allen Nelson, uh, makeup effects artist, who uh, does a show I mentioned from time to time with Sean Clark, uh, Thing of Two Heads, and he's um, does the makeup effects work for the new Halloween films. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, because he's the cop in Halloween 2018. Who gets the head charcoal like a hollow out like a like he's the cop. Remember he sitting there having lunch together. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the fudge bar and, and candy esque tray whatever he brings. That's what an eight year old would pack for lunch. And his head is like <laughs> hollowed out like a jack o' lantern. Yeah, it's cop o' lantern. That's who it is. Yeah. Cop o' lantern. I call it the man o' lantern from from 2018. Yeah. Cop o' lantern. So he's the dead body. He's Glenn Sherlock. And Doc wakes up surrounded by cops. So <laughs> this is where we're formally introduced to Josh Brolin's LAPD detective, Christian F. Bigfoot Jordson. Bigfoot Bjornson. 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 Jalapen B was silent. Yeah, it's Bjornson. Uh, definitely Swedish. So he's ran on hippies and poised to get the Doc pissed by describing what his ex could be doing with Wolfman. F-U-C-K-I-N-G. Wait, he's like, fucking No, sort of lays describes him. And she's like, he's got that evil shit twinkle in his eye that says civil rights violation. And he even makes reference to his own civil. I think at the the last scene where he says something like, "After a day of violating civil rights, like something." That he does like, say that. Yeah, he's your, he's your typical he makes fucking own, yeah. anti-establishment G right. man. Yeah, you know, but it's 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 what I this is what I call. We had that we we we've all lived through the reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. This is what I call the Brolin bounce back. Yeah, Brolin, like he was on fire. Like, was it? Oh, no Country for Old Men? Is that where it yeah. started? It, it, it started, that. started yeah. there. And, then, and he's then been he, on fucking he was fire, in man. He was cranking it. And uh, what was it? What was the Denzel Washington flick that he did? 
He was in uh, American Gangster. American Gangster. Yeah. That's it. Thank and you. that was in 2008. And then it was, yeah, it was, it was uh, a milk. The fucking the yeah, hard like also 2008. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it's he, not it's just like that period fans. of time. Like it's just been. It was so from like that Bowling, period of time like I said, up until the now. Bowling bounce back. Yeah. Man. Like, See what happens when your dad fucks Barbara Streisand. I don't know. Like I, it's weird the way he because he was in Goonies and like that was it. Like there was nothing between. There was like a twenty well, year Hollow layoff. Man. Was he in was, Hollow Man? Yeah, Hollow Man. He was. I've like never your, seen Hollow. Well, he was also he was in your... Mimic. Nah, yeah, never yeah, Mimic. Mimic. Not, yeah. I don't know. I've ever watched Mimic. I know what you're talking about. He had a lot. He had a lot of like straight to video type okay. shit or like. Just, so he's been know. busy. He was busy he's the whole busy. time. Yeah. Yeah. He was working. He was okay. gigging. But he didn't. He he. But he came back and, in a big fucking way. Yeah, yeah a huge like a way. Yeah, and I, I and he's still here. And I enjoy when I see that he's in a movie. Like I enjoy it. Like he was in a new the, Dune. I was like, he works for Villain News. Yeah, because he was in Sicario. If if you tell me, hey, Josh Brolin's in a movie with Denny Villeneuve, I'll tear my ticket, please. I just like seeing him pop up in anything. He's one of those guys. I just enjoy him. So we also learn here in this scene that uh, Wolfman has disappeared. And this is when we're also introduced to Benicio Del Toro's... How do you pronounce it? Sa- Sancho? Sancho? Yeah, no, do they ever say Sancho it? Smilax. Sancho Smilax. As introduced as Dr. Turney. He's like, a maritime lawyer. And the names in this are like... I know that they they're all... all they're, over the they place. All, and yeah. they have to all like mean something. Like there's got to be a... Di- like I'm not like smart enough to yeah, they only to, mean like, something to Thomas Pynchon. Though. There's only... Thomas Pynchon, right. They, they come it's, from... And that, it, that's it apparently like a, a thing with him is like... All his books have that, like, people have these weird symbolic names. I guarantee the, the you only one that somebody makes sense. will forward him this episode, and he will listen and giggle to himself <laughs> right. in a- his fucking living room. Adrian Prussian, Prussia, I get. Like, that one makes sense to me. The rest of the, the names, like, Dr. fucking Blotnoy. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> yeah. Rudy Blotnoy. Blotnoy, like. DDS. Yeah, yeah like, I, I, there, there's obviously a deeper meaning there that I just don't quite get. So he's introduced as Doc's attorney, who sets up for Doc to get released. Bjornsson agrees to kick him. You gonna kick him? That's assault. <laughs> That's assault. <laughs> At the impound garage. Well, uh, Bjornsson, Bjornsson also addresses the fact that Sancho's a maritime attorney. He's like, apparently he's out of your jurisdiction. Um, we've already got him on, on suspicion of murder and assault. Uh, if you want, we can throw some piracy in there. <laughs> And on the way there, we get Doc looking disgustingly towards Bjornsson as he's eating that chocolate the banana. Fucking <laughs> Bigfoot Bjornsson's frozen banana. It's, it's, it's a close, it's a fucking tight shot, yeah. too. And, and it's very The look funny. of disgust on Phoenix's <laughs> yeah, face is fucking priceless. And it's very funny at first, but it makes sense later on in the movie like it goes yeah. beyond just being like a visual gag right to having like some resonance and meaning something it's, but it does this is the beginning of like the bell is just being right right, right. you know like I mean? wait a minute it's cause, because he's <laughs> and Brolin sells it too he's just driving and right. sucking that <laughs> fucking banana he, he's just going for it man he's not paying attention to Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> or fucking Joaquin Phoenix he's like me my Fucking Chevy Caprice and my frozen banana. <laughs> so Bigfoot calls Doc later that night, and he says he sent the cop to Shasta's last known address. But when he got there, it was revealed that she's gone. Yeah, I love the way he fucks with him. She left. She's, she's out of there. She's disappeared like her boyfriend. Maybe. She's gone, man. She went all groovy on us. 
<laughs> Doc begs him to just pretend to be professional so he tells him to go fuck himself and hangs up. I love this part, dude. That's like, she's gone, man. She's gone all groovy on us. She's I out. Think... Maybe. She's with the boyfriend. <laughs> Michael Wolfman has mysteriously vanished. Hello? Hey, it's me. Listen, we, uh, we sent a police academy hotshot over to the last known address of Shasta Fayapworth. out there, man. Out there? Yeah. What, what, what is that? Well, she's disappeared just like her boyfriend, Mickey, and I thought maybe you'd think there was a connection. Maybe she's they took off together. Yeah, she's gone, man. Baby. She's gone? She disappeared? What, what, what? She went all groovy on us. You know, Bigfoot, man, can we just try to be fucking professional? I mean, just, just pretend to be professional. She has to fade up with. She's gone. Fuck you. I think the greatest, like, dichotomy relationship on film lately is between Doc Sportello and Bigfoot Bjornsson. Like, yeah, they're they both on. They're 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 both they're fighting for the same goal on opposite teams, and they kind of want to like each other, but they but, but they, they, just they, can't. they just can't. Yeah, they just can't. Of the time, right? Like, and Doc likes him. Doc kind of likes him, but, like, and Bigfoot kind of want to like Doc, but he, can't, he just he, can't. He just won't. His wife won't, won't let right. him. His therapist yeah. won't let him. His he just can't. Won't let him. He can't do it. It's, but it's such a great, it's like this buddy dichotomy. They're the best of friends. Right. But neither one of them can ever admit it to one another. Now, did I know we talked about Benicio Del Toro. Did we skip past the scene of those two at the diner? No, that's coming up. No, oh, okay, later on. Okay. That's later right, on. Never mind that. <laughs> so Doc gets another call from Hope Harlingen, whose missing husband is a close friend of Shasta's. She's a former heroin addict looking for her husband, Coy, who has and been reported. Um, another funky name, Coy. Yeah, exactly. Coy Harlington. Coy Har- Harlington or Harrington? Har- Coy Harlington. 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 Who's, who's the girl that plays I'm gonna get, Jenna Moore? I'm going to get to oh, her. Okay. Yeah. So it's been revealed that... He's been reported dead, but she doesn't believe it due to a large bank deposit made recently. Uh, she tells him how they used to shoot up together, and it made her breasts hairy. And when she shows him a photo of their kid, Doc lets out this <laughs> loud and sudden shout. It's, it's a fucking, he's terrified. He glances yeah. at this picture. It's like the big moment in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Watch the trailer it's exactly where it's from. <laughs> 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 so she also asked Doc. It back to her yeah. and goes right back to conversation. <laughs> she also asked Doc what he thinks of her chompers after being a recovering addict, and all the calcium is was sucked out of her bones. Jenna Malone is who plays Hope, and in my notes here, I just have she's a really underappreciated actress, and her minor but memorable role in this movie is proof of that. I've always thought that about her. I, the only other thing I really ever she's, think of her from is Donnie Darko. And then, like, I know she's been in a ton of other shit, but what is it? I can't, like, think of anything that's, else. That's that it. movie that's Saved? Nah, I, think I never I saw, saw that, it. That's, that's okay. a Christian church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a Christian, Christian I think I saw of. that, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, 
she was in this horror film from 2008 called The Ruins that I thought was pretty good. Is that the one where they were like in Brazil or something? Yeah, like, they 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 were camping at this like temple or something. I vaguely remember. And like the vines were the vines come feet. It's based I off a book. It's, it's I kind of like that movie. Yeah, yeah, well, I kind of like. She was in that. I don't remember her. Yeah, name. yeah, she was like the survivor. The, okay, the, the final she was the girl. final girl. I don't remember that, but I kind of like that movie at the time. I don't uh, remember anything about it. I just kind of remember liking it. Um, where are we at? from? From what? Yo, from what movie? That. That's oh, right, she, yeah. Sucker Punch. Like, come on, uh, that's right. She <laughs> was in that. You're right. <laughs> you talking about a snooze alarm? She was in Cold Mountain. She was in uh, the danger. That's right. The Dangerous Lives of Ultra Boys. That's the yeah, first I mean, film that I saw. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Emil Hirschen. Yeah, nobody watched that. I, it's I, a, did. I, I did. I saw it first. Yeah, I was at Blockbuster, so. Uh, she was in The Messenger. She was in uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire. Anyone? Oh, that's right. She was in those Hunger yeah. Games movies. I forgot yeah. about that. I'd say I don't care about those, so I forgot she was in uh, She's in the ultimate but, edition of Batman vs. Superman, Donald but Justice. I'm, 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 I'm the girly man for watching what was the ultimate fucking edition? Like, fire, Who was she in that? I don't know. I haven't seen the Ultimate Edition. Well, yeah, I didn't even know there was an Ultimate Yeah, there is. It's an all-rated version of it. Is she? It, it came out I, I, I can video. tell you exactly who she... No, wait a minute. Catwoman wasn't in And she right? was in this year's Antebellum. Which is supposed to be a turd. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's, it's, it's a fucking... Story. But she's underappreciated, so I, fuck I, you. I did. I did. <laughs> you just... You, I didn't, didn't make I, a, I, you didn't make a, a striking case. I didn't... I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't... You were not the, the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse defense in this no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pay for it, and I'm glad. Although, I will tell you, I tell you what fucking shook <laughs> me by surprise. That case was shaky at best. <laughs> that fucking Candyman movie, dude. What about? Oh, what do you think? Of Candyman? Oh my! Wow! I have no idea why we're talking about Candyman, but let's talk about it. <laughs> wow! How did we end up here? I have no idea. Yeah, told you, it was man. Shit. You weren't fucking lying. All right, and you even like I even got it out of you. I'm like, just spoil it for me yet. I don't give a shit. And you told me how it ended, and I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever, I'm probably never gonna watch it. And you, you hit me up. He's like, "Oh, dude, I loaded up Voodoo Candyman's on there." So I woke Mandy up, and and she's fucking terrified, petrified of Candyman. Yeah, she's just like just in general, but like based she's on like, the old it, version. Well, when she was young, I, I, I gotta confess, I've never seen Candyman. I don't know a fucking thing about it. Yeah, I know it's a thing. Like, yeah, no, I know all that, but, but I've never was, watched the movie. Yeah. I, I just didn't care. So I, I I sat here with the old lady, and who's ever going to be critical of it is the one who's already been terrified by right. You're a Candyman official, right? So, exactly, and and she's been terrified of the character since she was a kid. Oh, so she's she's grown up on it too, right? Okay, right. It was you know. I thought you were was, introducing her to it. No, 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 no. Okay, so she's all she's and, and she was, but she was dragging her feet on it just like I was. I'm like the oh, new no. version. You mean? I, yeah, okay. it was, it's it's because it's it's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's not a sequel. It's all of those things at once. That, but it's it's it does the thing. You know, like, um, like if you could do Candyman, Candyman 2, and this, you can forget the third one that came in there. It's like, I'm going to forget all of them. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm honest. just saying, if you're going to create canon. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care. <laughs> I just, I'm never going to watch any of them. <laughs> 
But go for the audience. I'm sorry, I, I was being a dick. Like, <laughs> for the audience, go on. I'm sorry. Fuck you. you no, no I just dick. I took a big shit on what you were saying, and I didn't mean to at all. I just all right. <laughs> so Doc makes his way to the Wolfman residence and meets his wife Sloane, who's played by. Kristen Scott Thomas's sister, Serena Scott Thomas. Who the fuck is I don't even know Kristen Scott Thomas had a sister. Bryce's brother. So, all these years, true story, I thought that that was Kelly Lynch in this role. All these years. I was years. thinking that in the beginning, too. I mean, I can kind of see I mean, it, it looks I just I like her. And then in the cast, I was looking down, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't see Kelly Lynch's name on the cards. No, and I'm no, like, no, look, look, who the fuck went, is Serena Scott Thomas? I went through it like this. Like, when when she first popped up in the scene, I'm like, ooh, Kelly Lynch. I'm like, wait a minute, no. Maybe it's Robin Wright Penn? No, I'm wrong about that, too. It's not anybody Who is like this? super well And then known. you're like, um, oh, it's somebody famous's sister. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and this is, again... This I once bowled next to Evander Holyfield. This scene is very much the long goodbye. It's like... It, it takes you back to that Nina Van Pallant character in yeah. Goodbye. Her house was a, a very similar house to that. The funny thing is, like, the cops, like, just fucking frolicking in the pool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're fucking grilling out. <laughs> Getting lap dances and shit yeah, in the shower. So, having so much fun. So we also meet her lover, <coughs> Riggs. Um, the house is run... Uh, it's like a debauchery, uh, including a housekeeper who is openly willing to perform sexual favors for guests. Doc tours the house and finds a closet filled with ties. Yeah, just, I love how Doc tiptoes past the sex bed straight yeah. into the closet, into the tie closet. Yeah. You know, he's like tiptoes past it. And it's this big old kinky fucking circular bed with the zebra. Well, I like how like something as stupid as a fucking tie closet like make plays a big role in like the I was say that tie yeah. comes back later in the Yeah. What, right. what, what, what Mickey does, he gets a tie made out of every girl he's ever slept right. with. Right. Yeah, and then he sees one of uh Shasta in there yeah. and uh not to, not in, who's in, gone missing. We find out that she's been Isn't she's the Shasta tie missing. missing at that point? I don't the think sh- the, I don't think he's, no, he's, I don't think he sees the Shasta, the Shasta tie. tie. He hasn't found the Shasta he, tie. He sees the tie of all the other girls and he knows that Shasta should be in there, but I don't think she Okay, and that plays who's, into who's a later scene. Yeah, no, later we'll get to right, it. We'll right. get to it, Sean. All right, all right, yeah. all right. More and so more on, names keep dropping in. On the way out, on the way out, we get this funny slow motion shot of fucking... <laughs> She's great. Um, Bjorn. Uh, yeah, Bigfoot <laughs> beating and jumping on Doc right, outside yeah, the house. Because Doc's coming, he comes in, he comes into the fucking Wolfman orgy with his He's little wig on and shit. Right. You know, he's got a suit on yeah. and his uh, wig. A wig. And then when he comes out... Where does he say he's from? A bank or something? Is it <laughs> right, a bank? He, he makes, it's he something makes to it do sound with like, like an inheritance or something like, like that. It makes it sound like 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 Mickey Wolfman invested in... You've come in, into in $50,000. Like something like... She's like it's so like nickel and dime for people is, like them too. Right. He's like, oh, here's... here's go get him a bank slip. And it's almost like that so they're... The like they're just... Hum- like they even know that he's a bullshit artist and they just kind of humor him because they want to see like... 
What, like, what, they want to so see what his end game is. Why does he slam himself into the fucking police car? He had nowhere to he go. He walks out. He, he, had, he had nowhere to go. He runs yeah, up into yeah. it, and he just buckles up. He wasn't getting past Bigfoot, so he tried to like run over the top of the car, and it just didn't work. <laughs> Which is so fucking brilliant, because that's how like you picture yourself just like... Like just hopping over the fucking right, no, put in the car, and, you, and in real life, you like your feet fucking buckle, and you like trip on the hood, and like Bigfoot rips you off, and just like <laughs> it's leg drops you. Like that's the way it would happen in real life, which is which which is so fucking brilliant about the scene. It is, and it's all done in slow motion, like yeah, that's it's beautiful, yeah. it's beautiful. So you gotta shot. sit there, and you almost feel like it's almost like Bigfoot and Doc are just playing with each other. You know? They like and hate each other at the same time throughout <laughs> right. the entire movie. They won't fuck each other's game up. Yeah, but <laughs> big but Bigfoot relishes the chance to fucking kick his ass because right. <laughs> he is a meathead at the end of the day. Right. Stock meets with Deputy DA Penny Kimball, fucking Reese Witherspoon, who. We got a little walk the line reunion here. Yeah, walk the line reunion. And this relationship, the first two times I watched this movie, this relationship always bothered me. I'm like, why the fuck would Reese Witherspoon? I always forgot that they had. I forgot about it, and then when I saw it, I'm like, why would her character be attracted to Doc? And then I realized that such a big point of this movie is the the Cointel Pro thing. Yeah, the government infiltrating the leftist movement. It was Reese Witherspoon's character was grooming Doc. She was like a honeypot. Like she yeah. sucked. She sucked Doc in to get information of whatever was going she on. Could, he was. It wasn't a the, true relationship. Yeah, he she was, was using him in the streets, right? And she's plugged into the courts. Yeah, she was so, using him for info. She asked him about Wolfman and Shasta's death. Shasta's disappearances. Disappearances in the murder of. Let me say that again. <laughs> she asked him about Wolfman and Shasta's disappearances in the murder of Sherlock. She suggests that maybe Doc has killed him, given that he's always so drug induced. He passes out and doesn't even remember things. He has no. Def- he has no defense against this hypothesis. Yeah, it's like another nod to Doc being an unreliable narrator. Yeah. She directs him to the FBI and he mocks them while conducting their uh, interrogation. He's like, did I miss an episode? Because I love you guys on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah. And they're all picking their nose. Right. In different, in different Again, shots. Again, it's, like, it's like Doc's, it's Doc's point of view that we're seeing this. Right, and that's and the way he sees the cops. He he's an un, that that's not the cops weren't this, really sitting there fucking. The, but it also their nose. the film also has an over the top goofy tone to it. Right, like, exactly because it's from Doc's point of view. Right, it's and I'll put it to you this way, gentlemen. The film is very hazy. Mm-hmm. It's a it, drug haze. Right, yeah. and and so so, and I, I'm putting myself out you know, on on with the linen here. Um, the way that I watched this film was um, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock this morning. Yeah. I hadn't been to sleep. That's the best way to watch it, actually. I had. I had it's been, a very paranoid movie. Like I had, To be in an altered state in some had, way is kind of the best way been, to watch I, it. I probably pounded good case and half a beer. Yeah, that's the way. And that's you know. how you watch it this morning? I had scored some fucking weed yeah. <clears throat> around eight thirty nine o'clock this morning, mm-hmm. 
and there's some weird hours. Then I press. Then yeah. I press. Right. <laughs> some weird, weird fucking weird, hours. That's some weird weed hours. <laughs> it's fucking Jeez. crazy, right? So it's your guy twenty four seven. But I did. But I did. I All right, man. It's your turn. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> they like, like fucking. They tag out. <laughs> You're up. It's like Uber weed. Eight o'clock. I never get an eight o'clock call except from Sean. <laughs> yeah, but you always know the worth for a spot. I've smoked a lot of fucking weed in my life. I don't think I've ever scored weed at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> But when I text you at like 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning on like a fucking weekday, you know it's worth responding to. I'm just to. saying, most guys will ignore that text and sleep. The fact that you got somebody who, who, who addresses. That? Yeah, That's like, a motherfucker Sean looking for the weed. The fact that somebody addresses those hours is amazing to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fact that you can find yourself a guy to sell that early, you keep him. <laughs> You That's that like a wife. You marry that you, guy. <laughs> you guys, you guys forget that I didn't have the car until yesterday. They just used the liver. Oh, I know. I'm not knocking it. That's amazing. I've never heard of such a thing. That's what's blowing my mind. I say you stick with that motherfucker. That's some amazing shit. Oh, I'm sometimes man. just like getting up around eight o'clock, and it's like I've never been like. God damn, I wish somebody would deliver me some weed right now. <laughs> but the question I have for you is how many times have I texted When I was you? 25, it was a story. Morning, but I'm talking about nowadays. Up shit on my mind. It's like, oh, sun's up, sun's up. <laughs> sun's out, guns out. If I was 23, like I would totally be all over that. But Looking like, for some oh my god, I can't even uh, imagine if somebody uh, like would give you the time of day at that time of day. Uh, <laughs> woo, man, I was out of weed. That just happened. Oh my god, he literally spat the beer out. Oh my god. I'm keeping this fucking recording forever and ever. It's never going away. This might be the new intro to the show. <laughs> oh man. Holy shit. Oh. Oh. Alright, so the FBI, they're asking him about being picked up and let go during unique circumstances as he continues to insult them while they ask about the Wolfman case. He asks what they want with, they want with Mickey unless he's every, unless everything, what? He asks what they want with Mickey unless everything's a cover up and he's doing it for random money. Can I be Frank? <laughs> yeah. Alright, you be Dino, you be the other guy, uh, tell Penny Davis Jr. what a lovely day we all had. <laughs> <laughs> so they offer him $300 a day in U.S. dollars? It's like U.S. dollars? <laughs> they throw in a Book of Mormon for free. Alright, so Doc gets a letter 
Vice receptionist Petunia, uh, again, Maya Rudolph, from Jade, apologizing for setting him up with the police and telling him to beware the golden fang. So we see... So we see Jade meeting Doc in an alley where she explains about the Golden Fang, a group that is smuggling drugs into the country. Also mentioned is a man with a swastika, uh, swastika tattoo on his face. Remember this. <laughs> he then runs into Koi Harlingen, who is not dead at all. Koi is uh, Owen Wilson. Wilson, who wow. hasn't done much lately, but he's got a, a, a couple of projects coming out. He was in a ton of shit for a long time. So, Koi is a saxophone player in a local surf band who is under hiding undercover at a house on Topango Canyon. Topanga? Topanga Canyon. Yeah, Topanga. Yeah, so no one recognizes him because he plays bass with the band who resides there. He asked for Doc to check in with his family for when him. But you get, hold on, before, you gotta notice that in that party... It, there's like guys wearing like swastika jackets and shit. It's oh, like no, we're not at that party. Yet. Yeah, no, that's what he's talking about. He's no, talking we're, about we're getting there. It's, oh, it's I thought you were talking about no. the party. Um, Koi then disappears in the fog. Doc struggles to find his way out. A metaphor, but also shows the world from his drugged out point of view. Nice. Koi also again reveals, maybe not a reliable narrator. No, you're no. you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely Koi right. also reveals the golden fang. So the way I is, went into this was the right way to look at it today. Koi also reveals that the Golden Fang is the name of a secret organization with shady business. It is also the name of their boat, which is used to smuggle heroin into the country. I would have come by your office, man, but I thought there might be unfriendly eyeballs. Well, is this uh, safe enough for you out here? Let's light this and pretend we came out to smoke. What? I'm supposed to be dead. Well, there's also rumor that you're not. I don't come with such great news being dead as part of my job image, like what I do. You working for these people here at the club? I don't know, maybe. That's where I pick up my paycheck. Where are you staying? House in Topanga Canyon. Band I used to play for the boards. But none of them know it's me. How can they not know it's you? Even when I was alive, they didn't know it was me. The sax player. The session guy. Hmm. Plus, over the years, there's been a big turnover in personnel. Like the boards I played with, most of them gone off and formed other bands. Only one or two of the old crew left, and luckily they're suffering from heavy dopers' memory. Hmm. The story is you came to grief behind some bad smack. You uh, still into that? No. No. I'm clean these days. I spent my time rehabilitating up and, you know, I, it's, it's okay, it's okay, I can't hear too good now, I gotta talk about what I can hear. Yeah. Look, the thing I wanted to see you about, I was wondering if you could check on a couple people, lady and a little, little girl, see if they're okay without bringing me into it. It's down in Torrance, just see if they're still living there, see what's in the driveway, law enforcement in the picture, any details you find interesting. I don't want it. I can't pay you right now. When you can, unless you're one of those folks who believes information is money, in which case, I could ask you something. Bearing in mind that either I don't know, or it's my ass if I tell you. What is it? Ever heard of the Golden Fang? Sure. It's a boat. 
about big schooner, somebody said, screwing stuff in and out of the country, but no one wants to talk about it. Because that was it. How do you know? I saw it sail in when I got here tonight. I don't know what I just saw. Me neither. Fact. I don't even want to know. Okay. Doc figured it might have been easier to let Coy know that Hope and Little Amethyst were doing just fine, but he had a rule against getting involved in matrimonials, which had just gone up in smoke, like the Asian indica in the joint they'd been smoking, creating an extra layer of fog on top of the so, one Doc was already standing inside So, back to Sanchez Smiley. Smile Axe, I'm sorry. Sanchez Smile Axe, the attorney. Del Toro gives Doc more information about the Golden Fang, including the fact that it is stuck in the Bermuda Triangle for 50 years. A three-hour tour. Well, according to Scuttlebutt, shortly before he disappeared, Mickey Wolfman was seen taking the Golden Fang out for a three-hour tour. Or should I say, a three-hour tour. <laughs> this is all while eating at an oceanfront restaurant where they order a couple of tequila zombies. Also, which is important, is during this conversation, they talk about the Golden Fang, the boat. The, yeah, the boat itself. Was owned by, and it was owned by, a, um, the, the, what's Stodger. the actor's name? Burke Stodger. Burke Stodger. We learned that the last time it sailed, Shasta was on board. But before that, it was owned by a guy named Burke Stodger. He took off. During he, during the blacklist. Right, and he came back, He and he was a, he was a staunch anti-communist before he left. And then they found the boat in Cuba, a communist country. They brought it back. Stodger was on board. And all of a sudden, Stodger was coming out with anti-communist movies. His movie, his big comeback movie was called Commie Confidential. Yes. Where he was, like, cracking down on commies. Right. So a guy who, like, used he to be a card-carrying comedy, uh, a commie disappeared and he comes back and is integrated into the system. And you and I you and I were just talking about that that blacklist with uh You're right. with Dalton, Dalton Trumbo. Trumbo. Right. Yeah. And in that and and then uh Benicio del Toro's character talks about the boat itself and says, uh hold on, this is very this they is very basically erased thing. they erased right. his boats Stodger's boat was erased. Removed any existence. traces of soul she once had from ship. The ship, and again, I, I hate to be the fucking douchebag. The ship represents Shasta's character yeah. and the country as a whole. Like, the movie's about the right wing kind of hollowing out the soul of the country. Right. And turning it into this fucking, like, um, you know, what we got now. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it was like sucking the marrow out exactly. of the bones of. Yeah. That, you know, that that that's the whole undercurrent of the movie yeah. which it was so dense I didn't see that the first couple times I saw it it took I me to the third time fucking said it watch it now. again is a is a, a comment I'm on, the, have on the count yeah we I think what were we talking about watching tonight uncut gems we got to watch this again and, <laughs> and go through it so doc calls Kimball for a date after some back and forth she agrees to come over in an hour with a pizza so doc is watching a Richard Nixon rally on TV Corey Holland and appears on the screen. Uh, Owen Wilson protesting Hitler's speech. It's said that he's known as uh, Rick Doppel, which is double in German. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Kimball knows him as Chucky, a popular FBI informant down at the glass house. Right, he's only, met, only working with the Red Squad. The, and the fact that he was like such a counterculture guy, being in this band, he played saxophone in this band. The fact that he showed up on TV calling Nixon a criminal or whatever it was that he was shouting Nixon. Right. It it kind of solidified his his bona fides as a counterculture figure, so he could go into these hippie enclaves. However, he's really an FBI plant. So he's re- the idea is to get him deep into these hippie enclaves and get information and bring it back to the FBI so they know what the counterculture is up to. Right. Yeah, but but Coy is still at the street level. I think he's still you guys think he's still using? I think he's still using. Well, no, he. I think he's done using, and he. Yeah, and he I says, don't, I don't he, he, wants, he wants to get out. He's done. He he wants to leave. <laughs> so you think he's legit when he's when legit. he says to Doc when when yeah. he's when he's down there in the house? He alley wants to doc, be a family like, man. He wants to raise his kid. He wants to have a wife. He wants to be a normal guy. Now, whether or not it works out that way is unimportant. Right. It has exactly. nothing to do with it's the irrelevant. story. Exactly. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. But that's what he wants in the course of the story. I okay. feel I've never gotten the impression that he was using her back no then. so no, take that done. for what it's worth right the two of them are done uh doc then goes to a house party where coy is at doctor s- sits down with him and yeah, lets but, coy know his wife and kid this is what i'm talking about there, there's like guys with swastika jackets at the yeah, party but, but what, what they also what you also find out is doc drops acid before he goes to this party when? When did how do we see acid? this when, when yeah, do we see this dropping any acid throughout the course of the movie me neither no, it's, it's, you you hear sort of Lee say um, when um, when Doc and uh, what's, what's his little buddy's name, the, the kid who can't drive the car. Dennis. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Dennis. Den- yeah. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's not a vibe they couldn't pick up when they were high on acid. They dropped they, so as Doc. Uh, okay, you told me because we're talking about the the party where where he encounters Jade the, like, the acid vibrations and and, and, and Jade talks about her roommate being in a spotted dick and the guys and the other guys in the spotted. <laughs> she's got spotted dick LPs, man. She's got, she's got spotted dick curtains. She's got spotted dick yeah, LPs. That girl's so funny, right? Um. So yeah, so it, 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 what sort of Lee tells you in in the beginning of that scene? No, you is might that, be right. Right. Is, is I that, just took it that they were so, just taking so hippies Doc, and had no, no, like no. acid so ingrained in their system. No, no, no. Like, Doc, right. Doc they, is they can pick up on that. It's shit. like a natural state of mind. It's exactly. No, no, no. Doc Which is, is what, the way I like lead my life because I <laughs> that scene that going scene into takes it, place. Doc Sportello is tripping on LSD. <laughs> you never looked at it that way. No, I didn't. I didn't look at it specifically. They were on acid. I just took took it as they took so much acid that they have a natural frequency that picks up on that sort of thing. I That's think, the way I looked at it. I think I'd read it that way too. I, I, I read it. That, that, All right, I'm not that. saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't read it that way. So he tells them that uh, she's clean and has been teaching. Corey explains that he misses them but can't go back. Once you sign up doing the stuff he's doing, you're in for life. Doc mentions the Nixon protest on television, and Corey brushes it off, saying that he wanted to do something good for his country. He hypothetically asked Doc what he's out, what um, what he's doing, if it, what what he would do if his mom was on smack. And Doc says, "Duh, I'd help her out." Corey says he doesn't belong here, and back uh, back home would be nice. 
So Doc asks Koi for a setup for some of his people. When Koi mentions Shasta Faye's name as he gets up and takes a photograph with her, as he, he gets up to take a picture with these, uh, like the Last Supper. Yeah, I was going to say the, it's the, the Last Supper party. photograph. Now, yeah. before that, in the scene where the two of them are talking, did you notice that guy walking back and forth in the background? No, no. I didn't. You, you guys anybody. never seen that? I thought it was so obvious. There's a guy, next time you watch it, keep an eye out. There's a guy in the background who kind of looks down at him as he's walking by. He's clearly like a CIA, FBI type. Oh, while while Doc is talking to Koi? While Doc is talking to Koi. That old scene at the table. There's a a, uh, window in the background. Right. And you you sort of see people walk by sporadically. And there's a shot where one guy in particular walks by with like a beard. And he's just staring at them, and he walks by. It clearly, is, it clearly is trying to take in what they're saying. Got it. Yeah, keep an eye out for that next time you watch it. So Doc and Dennis drop Jade off after the party, and finally asks her why she would, why he would, um, why he should be with the Golden Fang. This is when it's bluntly explained that it's a high-profile heroin. Okay, we we been through this. So I don't, I don't know why I wrote that twice. Um, <laughs> what about uh, about the Golden Fang being a high profile? Uh, yeah, heroin ring. But heroin it gets even stranger. Ring. Like right now, it's like it's a high profile, like international like drug international, smuggling. But then it gets cartel. so much weirder once like Martin Short's character gets involved. You know, it's Doctor like, it, Rudy Blood. Right. It's not just what it is on the surface. It gets much weirder. This is when Doc goes to see Bigfoot and hilariously gets knocked down by a cop uh, passing yeah, by Yeah, but, uh, but you gotta you gotta love that tracking shot. It is. It's funny. It, it is. follows and him. It's slow like mo. It starts in Again. real time. No, not, not slow mo. And he gets he gets like clobbered. And by there's the, a variation it's a slow of it. shot, a slow tracking right. shot. I think it's in slow mo later in the movie. It's it variation so slow. Where, where no, no, later. it starts. It's like they took it at the same time. It's like it's like takes three. You know what I mean? And he gets he gets short. Or check, yeah, but a one beat cup, and then he just kind of straightens himself up, and then he's avoiding the rest of them, <laughs> right? And then when he Take crosses, and, and then when he gets inside the LAP, that's that's when it cuts the slow mo, and he's still dodging people mm-hmm. as he's on his way to Bigfoot's desk. So Doc shows the photo taken with Koi about the you know, the, the Last Supper photo, and it, it doesn't face Bigfoot whatsoever. He seems the only thing he cares about in this moment is that chocolate banana he's enjoying. <laughs> it, he eventually tells Doc he'll look into it. Uh, so Doc's in his office, huffing... Huffing nitrous. Nitrous. When he's, he's visited by Glenn's sister about Glenn and Mickey's disappearances. He's told about Puck Beaverton. Again, these fucking names. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who was Mickey's other bodyguard and also went missing. And on the way out, he asked, she asked about Shasta and Mickey. Tells Doc that Shasta loved Mickey deeply when Petunia chimes in to say to Shasta and Doc used to date. At home. Hold on. Was, was Doc saying, really, maybe we should continue this conversation? <laughs> she smacks him in the face. But did you... Uh, well... This is like a deep cut. It's the only but, scene she pops up in. I don't even know who plays this. Right. And then I told I texted you guys to watch it. I don't know what copy you were watching it on. Like I, I, my Blu-ray. I was watching. You, you actually bought the DVD for the Blu-ray for yeah, me for, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So that's the version I was watching. And on that, there's like a handful of extras. And okay. they're kind of like just like extended previews or like mini docs. Right. And they have, but the interesting thing is they contain like 
alternate cuts of scenes. Okay. Or like shit that you didn't see, like right. deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very interesting. And it really underscores the concept of the fact is like, you know, the the underlying subtext of the movie. Right, you know? I gotcha. So it's interesting. Like, go back if you haven't seen those. Go back. I, I highly recommend going back and watching those. And but the thing is that I was going to say on. So as Doc is walking out, it goes into a slow motion cut, a, a slow motion uh, scene, and the soundtrack is Le Fleur by Minnie Ripperton. You know who Minnie Ripperton is? It's my my Rudolph's mother. mother. So it's like a nice little tie-in. Like, yeah. Maya Rudolph says something. It's Doc Paul Thomas Anderson. I did read that in the notes, actually. Yeah, it's Minnie yeah, Ripper. It's it. Minnie Ripper. And yeah. that's, a, that's the song that plays at the end of um, Us. Jordan Jordan Peele's oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's like a kind of like a real nice needle drop. That song is so fucking good. And like, I didn't realize until recently that it's been in so many movies. So at home, Doc receives a postcard from Shasta that reminds him of an experience that they had out there with a... Ouija board trying to score some dope. Sort of Liege is there, again, figment of the imagination, helping them use the board, but they don't seem to acknowledge her, flirting with the idea that she's a figment of Doc's imagination, like I just mentioned. Yeah. So this is I the mean, second scene that, that, that proves that theory well, slash fact. Th- th- no, she's, she's also when the, when the, in, she's not in, actually in, there in this flashback. In, in in Act One, when they go to the pizza parlor, she's not actually there. She's right. Nobody this else. What I'm saying. Watch the movie. Nobody she, else except nobody for Doc, right. Doc ever addresses exactly. Right. That's she's, the key to letting you know that she, she's yes, not real. Yeah, she's she's in the scene, but she's not interacted with by and anybody. She's, when they but, use the Ouija, Ouija board, she she says she's screaming at you, "Stay away! I'm a police." Driver. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a funny scene, and actually. it's almost like. But the thing is, they go. <laughs> And it's not a police trap, so like it's just it, a big empty lot. It's a, it's a howdy it's doppel a big office. Empty lot. And, and and like, is it sort of leech kind of like being upset that she's not following her voodoo and she's following a different voodoo? Like, no, I think I think where does what that is, come from? I th- I I think what that is is sort of leech is actually, um, I don't want to say professing into the future, but that's what the name means. It means like. Precognition, right? She's, yeah. she's when she says "stay away," it's police trap. They run down there, and what nineteen sixty seven, sixty eight. But it ends up being it's an, a fucking empty. It lot. ends up being an important piece then, of the puzzle. But right. but yet Doc runs down there, and so it's sort of leads also golden, an unreliable it's, it's, narrator. It's like she's trying to sway film. Doc, but she's wrong. So Lee's is a figment of Doc's yeah. imagination. Right. So but is she Doc's wrong too? Like the uh, fact that Doc went down there wrong. was a positive. It ended up being a po- a net positive. There's no way. There's no way. And she tried to like talk right. him out of it. It's, Doc is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, so right. Lee's is a figment of his mag- imagination. Right. So she, by nature, she, has to be unreliable. She's fucking completely unreliable. <laughs> right. There you go. All right, she I'll buy is, that. She is a she is a drug used figment of his yeah. imagination. So you can't take anything she says at face Anything value. anything right. that comes out of sort of Lee's mouth, it's it's all opiates and cocaine mm-hmm. and marijuana I'll and buy LSD that. and this- psilocybin. This is one of the few scenes we get to see that relationship between Doc and Shasta, so right. we can actually give a damn about this potential outcome for a split second. Because yeah. it's still something; it's better than nothing. It's you know, it's it's. And them. the voiceover says that they wait Shasta outside. Already have one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wait outside the building, snuggling up together in the rain, enjoying one another's company. Um, 
So then the, we cut to Doc going to the same building from his memory and waits in the office for a dentist. Doctor. But now he goes to where the empty lot was, and there's this yeah. big fucking towering right. building in the shape of a golden fang. Rudy Blatnoid, DDS, <laughs> Martin Short. Yeah, man. The scene stealing Martin yeah, Short. Yeah, absolutely. Comes a long way. So beforehand, he orders Dennis to uh, stay in the car with his hands on the steering wheel. Rudy's constantly having sexual relations with his receptionist and snorting cocaine. Doctor, I think there's a problem with the sofa in your office. Bring that bottle. <laughs> and he drops trout. Yeah, right. Total Martin Short walk with like right. pants dropped around his ankles. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And then Doc I mean, checks out the office. I like when, I like the end of his scene. He's like, look at the green. Yeah, head. well, we haven't got there yet. Away. Doc has to walk through so the office. He's like, joined by... The office first. He's joined by... Uh, Japonica, Japonica yeah. Fenway, a young 18-year-old girl who is the daughter of a rich man named Crocker Fenway. The Dark Prince of Palace Verdes. Yes. Dennis shows him. <laughs> Dennis fucking shows up with the, he- the steering wheel in his fucking hand. <laughs> yeah, right. From Doc's car. Um, and then this is when Rudy comes back in. He's like, Miss Fenway may appear a little psychotic today. And Dennis goes, groovy. He's like, what? He's like, it's groovy being insane, man. Where are you at? Miss Fenway may appear a little psychotic today. Groovy. What? It's groovy being insane, man. Where are you at? It's not groovy to be insane. Japonica here has been institutionalized for it. And this whole scene has a paranoid feel to it. It's yes, like it's a coke it does. scene. It's, a, it's a total fucking coke scene. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's, doc, doc the paranoia is around. getting ratcheted. Yeah, up. Like, like can you imagine Ups being all down. coked up yeah. and you just walk into a fucking dentist office <laughs> right. waiting room and he just starts it's, getting you banged up? So then, Japonica uh, uh, like, drives them all home despite them all being on coke. So they are pulled over by a cop. Are you the great beast? <laughs> Who explains? <laughs> she explains that her headlights are. Uh, the, the, the cop explains that her headlights are off, so she says she, she doesn't need them because she can see in the dark. The officer continues telling them that any group over three people may be in, uh, may be a part of a cult. He's checking for cults. Yes. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's it's such, a, such a, like, perfect hair's, period the, detail. Hair's below Rudy's all life. paranoid in the right. back. He's like, it's Manson all over again. <laughs> it's Manson all over again. <laughs> so the, the, the cop lets him go, not realizing that they're obviously high on coke. Because Doc has a, a detective's license. Yes. If it wasn't for that, the cop would have completely busted their balls. Now, like, here's, here's one thing that I noticed when they get pulled over what's her name Japonica 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 is driving a car yeah, and then Doc's when the cop the leaves, seat all of a sudden, yeah. right. Doc's in the fucking they didn't show the switch. Seat. Yeah, no, you I never noticed that too. Right. What the fuck yeah. is it? so again? It's almost like a cut scene, right? Yeah, yeah. cut to Doc's and yeah, no, I got you. I, I thought the same thing. Um. I got to be honest here. I think this is one of Martin Short's greatest performances. I see his down. Really yeah, the hilarious. first time I saw it, I was like, eh, I don't know. Martin Short kind of annoyed me in that movie. Nah, now, now, like, watching it again, I'm like, no, it's, it's perfect. It actually, it's great. And yeah. I also want that purple suit. The green little hippie. I'd, that purple suit that he's rocking like it's no one's business. I want that fucking suit. That purple suit is fucking slick. I want it. Do some. I don't want to be rude. So then we get Bigfoot calling Doc, and he's got his son fixing him a glass of scotch at the bar. Right, he's sitting up. That's why I don't want to go to bed. I'm still working. 
That's so fucking funny. Yeah. That's such a movie. beautiful attention to detail. It's, yeah, did, did, you know did, what I mean. Did like, yeah. get that like you the didn't theater. have like like nine out of ten people would not have written that joke into the movie. Right. And the fact that he did is what makes him so much better than everybody right. else. Like it, that is so it's, fucking funny. Broly like pulls oh the phone down. He's like, "Go to bed." He's like, "Why am I going to bed?" <laughs> I'm still working. That's so funny. He tells Dot that Blatnoid was found dead with a fatal <laughs> neck injury. Go to bed. Well, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so Bigfoot and Doc then meet at a diner where Bigfoot showcases his love for pancakes. Choto, Kinichiro, Dozo, Moto Panakeku, Moto Panakeku, Moto Panakeku, Hi, Hi, Hi. Moto In one of the film's tanned out moments. Moto Hi. 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 But beyond that, there's a lot of information imparted in this scene. Yeah, and the first time you watch it, there's absolutely up. no fucking way, unless you're autistic, that you could take all this information in. Like, no. like they're introducing, <laughs> they're talking about characters that we've never seen, right. much less, like, discussed before. And it's like... <laughs> What? Like, and, and they, it all pays off in the end. So that's why, like, this is a movie you have to see multiple fucking yeah, times. This is, this is, cause, yeah, because during the breakfast, Bigfoot's bringing up. Um, There's a link Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Prussia. Prussia. Yeah, like, who the right. fuck is Adrian Prussia? Like, well, he mentions uh, a, a potential. Yeah, he name. mentions a potential link between Buck, uh, Puck Beaverton right, Puck and uh, Coy Harlingen. Right. There's a lot of information imparted. In the this. two have a long conversation about how the city is changing for the worse. Doc mentions extra work is drying up. We see Doc search for Puck Beaverton and Christ. What the fuck's his place? It's called Christ Chrysledon. Christ Skylodon. Oh, I know. Hold on, I wrote that. Chris Skylodon. Chris Skylodon. An this asylum. This is the booby hatch. They've been throughout the movie. They've been referencing the booby hatch, and this is it. And again, this is a total fucking long goodbye reference to the yeah. the the. Uh, psychiatric facility run by Henry Gibson in a yeah. long goodbye where, it's, where Sterling Hayden was kept. It's an asylum run by a cock connected yeah. to the Golden Fang. If, if, you if you've ever seen a long goodbye, I'm telling you, it's like a, literally like side by side. That That's what he's referencing. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah that's what he... I, I, I highly suggest you watch a long goodbye. I definitely will. I'm definitely going to check it check out. Check it out, man. It's such a good movie. It's cool, man. It's yeah. Elliot Gould is just... Robert Altman. That's all I need to say. So there, Doc finds the man with a swastika tattoo on his face right. and Shasta on his tie, indicating that he's been with her intimately. That's where the Shasta tie comes. Yes. In. That it wasn't in the closet at the beginning. Yeah, and that's why. Because that, that this fucking was that scene I was talking that's, about. That's, right. That's Buck that fucking Beaverton. dude's guy, Buck Beaverton. He's, Buck Beaverton's sitting there and he's he's like fucking with the Shasta. And Doc tie goes, "Is that a swastika on that guy's face?" And the yeah. doctor's like, "No, it's an Indian symbol of like you know divinity or whatever." And I. I've, I've seen people make that same argument, which is what makes it re a really funny fucking like sequence of the movie. So Doc also notices that two FBI agents are escorting Wolfman through the premises. He manages to talk with them and learns that Wolfman has given up on the state of the world and feels guilty for the negativity that his real estate business has caused. But the reason they have Wolfman in the insane asylum is the fact that he's like an extremely wealthy guy. And now he's suddenly, a happy member of the cult. But he decided that, like, it was morally wrong to charge people for rent. And his whole deal was real estate. 
and he just said like I don't I think it's wrong to charge people for rent like it's not that's not the way it should be so the powers that be fucking snatched his ass up and threw him in mental asylum that mental asylum is like a Scientology like uh but so, they, I, they brain I, it's like a brainwashing call I dug in that, that, in yeah, that but, asylum. but but you don't you, you don't think that Mickey had been have been all hopped up on LSD and goofers and up. That might be what brought him to the conclusion that he should be giving away his property for free. But then he's don't forget they said at the beginning yeah, that they, they, they wanted, wanted him to, to be to the Vegas. face of Vegas. And, exactly. And they're trying to they're trying to make him look crazy. This, this is their guy Vegas. that they put all their chips in on, and he's fucking up. He's saying. He he's going against the entire idea of the I capitalist system. That, would, like would, would, we should we should be giving away property. Uh, That's doc not re, acceptable. Doc refers to something like Jade says something like linear um, trade. Like we 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 get them fucked up and then we treat them. Yeah, no that that's what that that's what that uh, facility is. You, you, like so the Golden Fang, it, it's all interconnected. The Golden Fang sells them the heroin. Right. The hippies do the heroin, mm-hmm. and then the this facility, uh, Grease Grease takes the hippies in, cures them, sends them back out on the streets where they so get they hooked again, heroin. where they do more so they heroin again. It's you a get vicious, them coming it's a circle. Yeah, the 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 uh, the um, voiceover says you get them coming and going. Right. That's that's the plan. Right. So back home, Bigfoot calls Doc, but their call gets interrupted by Bigfoot's wife. Oh, this is Dr. Sportello, the Dr. Sportello. She kicks the shit out of Bigfoot. This is Mrs. Chastity Bjornsson, and if that is one more sociopathic special employee of my husband, I will thank you to stop harassing him on his day off. It's Sportello. Oh, Sportello. Doc Sportello. The Doc Sportello. So... We meet at last. Mr. Moral fucking turpitude himself, have you any idea of the therapist bills around here for which you are directly responsible? The department picks up just a little. Oh, the department? Yeah, after a deductible that would choke a fucking horse. Uh, you know, he told me. Now, Christian, please. And would you stop acting like a beaten dog? I ask you for one fucking day a week. She Verbal, just verbally assaulted. And this, what I love is that this scene comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I mean, we're in the third act, baby. You don't expect a fucking out there bizarre scene like this where, like, you think it's going to be another piece of information, Bigfoot's light on him, but no, his wife snatches the phone, like, mid-sentence. But see, here's where I go back to, like... And I'm like, where did this come from? We're seeing the scene through Doc's point of view. Okay. I think we've agreed on this point that Doc is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, so, right. So did that conversation with Bigfoot really happen? Or is that Doc's fantasy of what Bigfoot's home life is? Having that mindset, I'm leaning towards no, and that's kind of like the blah, 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 like kind of like the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 mm-hmm. that he's kind of hearing now at this point because of all the... I mean, let's face it. I mean, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've mentioned Bigfoot calling Doc in the scene because right. it happens actually more often than I even realized just watching it again. Well, I think I think Doc likes Bigfoot more than Bigfoot likes Doc. Yes, I, I think Doc really yeah, wants. Oh, yeah. Big, I think Doc really wants Bigfoot to like him, and and they could kind of team up on adventures and shit. 
And I think Bigfoot is just the fucking meathead who is not interested. And so I think a lot of the interactions we're seeing between the two of them are from Doc's fractured point of view. Well, when you when you guys are skipping too, there's a couple, there's a couple of really cool moments. What's that? Um, first of all, when Doc's laying on the couch, he's watching an episode of Adam Twelve, right? With who's Bigfoot. a background character? Yeah. Bigfoot's playing a background character, but that's well. legit. There's like no reason right. to fake that. And then, but but then when Shasta walks into the so apartment, is that where we're at? Are we getting to that? This when, is, when, this when, is when, well, when 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 Shasta is that where you're at? She, when yeah. Shasta walks right, into I, that I apartment, I got some things to say about this. Well, She's wearing exactly what sort the of the country ladies, Joe and the fish, the country Joe and the fish t-shirt, the floral bottoms, bikini the bottoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's exactly she's dressed exactly the way, which is why. Shasta really isn't there. It's all hang Doc's on, hang on, hang on. It's all Doc, Doc is then greeted by Shasta, a fully nude Shasta. Not yet. Not yet. She walks in in the country Joe and the Fish t-shirt and the flower bikini bottoms. Yeah. And when Doc's on the phone with Bigfoot, she goes in the bedroom and takes all her clothes off. Okay, then I I, I forgot. I, I miss... Mer- and my, my point is I've been holding off on saying this the whole movie... I forgot I to bring up the part where she came in for us. So oh, you know, I got you. The phone call but happened, obviously. Right, 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 right. And what I'm saying is there's never a moment in the movie, realistically, where where Doc and Shasta are in the same room. It's in Doc's mind the entire... Every interaction with Shasta... You think it's one of those movies? Where he's an like, unreliable narrator. Really you have to keep yeah. in mind he's an unreliable narrator. Uh, and when Chasta comes in the country Joe and the Fish T-shirt, so then explain he's he's flashing back to the way it used to so be. They've telling, already established that at the beginning of the movie. So without getting too far ahead, yeah, yeah, you're telling me that the final scene is completely not. It's in his head. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you know that well, hold by that thought. You know that by the light on the glance. Okay. Well, hold the, that thought. Yeah, okay. And the, the glance. glance in the mirror. So Doc is then really like, a la. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, so she's nude. Well, she comes yeah, back yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. Never thought she of says that. she <laughs> was up north, but he points out the, the uh, puka shells that he was wearing. <laughs> Sorry, we're geeking out over here. No, hold on. And so this scene of her in the room with him is extremely fucking important. Because, again, I contend she is not really there. This is all in Doc's head. Shasta's no longer. Shasta's not. Because there's I've never a point like in the movie where Shasta they, they and Doc always, are in the they same. They always room. refer to Doc in the third person. Anytime Shasta or sort of like referred to, maybe even Penny for that matter, um, they refer to him in the third person. So. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that, but I just, I, I don't, there, I think there's enough evidence there of him being an unreliable narrator that Shasta's never really in the room with him. So Shasta confesses the, to being on a three-hour tour and that she was brought along as inherent vice. She admits to not knowing what she, what this means. We are told by Sword of Liege and voiceover that inherent vice is listed as an insurance policy as something that is will inevitably be damaged, like chocolate which will melt or glass which will break. Yeah, you transport eggs, you're gonna you're gonna crack a few shells. You're gonna yeah, exactly. In other words, a sort of defect in a product which will lead to it being deteriorated if the defective is 
the defect is not noticeable and nobody has been warned of it. Neither the insurance company or the insured are liable for any claim. Shasta says that doctors pretend she is a Manson girl, easily duped and controlled by a man, all while rubbing her nipples. As their conversation continues, she rubs his leg sexually and then bends over the couch. All in a long six-minute unbroken shot. Right, and in that shot, she's talking about what uh, Mickey does, like when Mickey takes her out to the restaurant yeah. and kind of parades around with no panties on. That's Doc's fucking conception of what yeah, she, what she's she, up to. She's like, you used to put me in a country Joe in a face t-shirt. Right. And That's why she appears in that dollars. outfit. That's the way he remembers her. That's why you know yeah. she's okay. not really there. Because it's, she, it's, he's remembering her the way that did the uh, voiceover established in the very first fucking scene of the right. movie? Right, he's he's drug addled. He's drug addled, right? And that a lot of shit that he's seeing throughout this movie is through a drug addled mentality. Yeah. So he's seeing Chasta come back to him in, in in part, and all the information she gives him is nothing that advances the the mystery None of it. None of it. It's just it's None it's the it. way he pictures. Mickey prayed to her throughout rest. Mm-hmm. Mickey, like, and and I, I'll you know I'll go out on a limb and say that we've all like been in love with a girl where you kind of picture the way that she's like out being a whore, which right. is probably not true. You know what I mean? But but as, but as an insecure so dickhead, right? As an insecure that out of your sight. As an insecure dickhead, that's the way you view it, and that's what that's the way he views Shasta. Every scene with Shasta is filtered through Doc's point of view. Yeah. Go back and, and watch it that and, way. And Doc's point of view has been hazed. He never sees Shasta hazed. throughout the, the course of this movie is my contention. So never. Any of those it's, scenes are in his head. It's important to mention that the scene concludes after them having sex with Shasta telling him that it doesn't mean that they're about together. Right. So Doc meets with Penny again, who is willing to provide him with confidential files. He reviews them and learns that Adrian Perjua, Perugia, Prussia. Prussia. A loan shark is paid by the police department to kill people for them. One of their victims was Doc's former partner, Prussia. Where is it? No, it's not Prussia. Doc's former partner. It's it's uh, Bigfoot, Bigfoot's former partner. Okay, sorry. And hold on. Before we even go any farther, this is an important detail. The scene where Reese Witherspoon is sitting in the office talking to a colleague. Right. And Doc comes in and talks to her and says, I need to talk to you. She looks at her colleague and goes, this is the one I've been telling you about. Yeah. Is that the way that a girlfriend would talk about a boyfriend? No. No. He's a fucking, he's a plant. He's he's a useful idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's using him to fucking get whatever information she can about. The uh, counterculture. Okay. I'm something else. Okay. And you know, she she she's an agent of the FBI using Doc as an information source. That that's what their relate their relationship never meant sense never made sense to me the first two times I watched the movie. Right. Watching it again and really focusing on the like whole you said, COINTELPRO. the COINTELPRO aspect of the story and the way that the government infiltrates the left wing you know the 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 peacenik movement, the anti-war movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. That's what they do. That's what the story is about. And she is an apparatus. She she she's a um a, a part of that apparatus. And she's using Doc as a means of getting information of what she needs to use it against him. And right. End. She doesn't really love Doc. 
Or maybe, no, she no, fall, no. maybe she falls in love with him despite what her assignment is. But she has an assignment. That That's the, the important thing to keep in mind about her character. Her her and Doc relationships is not is not a um a natural loving relationship. She no, she no, has no. A, a, def, a definitive goal in mind at the end of it. I don't trust that. Either. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Prusia is tied to the Golden Fang, and he learns that the uh, Glenn Sherlock was involved with the deal, which is how he ended up dead. This is where Doc goes to visit Adrian Prusia himself, who has an obsession with baseball bats. But is abducted and drugged by Puck Beaverton. <laughs> Wait a minute. At what point at what point does Bigfoot tell Doc go back to the beach? You smell like a patchouli fart. Well that that's when Adrian Prussia walks by him and he's like uh, he says something to the effect of I'll shove this again, he's got one of his bananas and he says, I'll bend over, I'll shove his fucking banana up your ass because he knows that Adrian killed his partner, but he's so tied into the system. That he can't do anything about it. Right. He he knows Adrian killed his fucking partner. That's why he hates the guy. That's okay. why that scene back the the Moto Panacake Panacake he mentions Adrian Pressure for the first time and he and Doc goes, I think that you you two have an uh history you're not telling me about. And he kinda makes a face and like and changes the subject. Yeah, all right. He's obsessed with Adrian Prussia. Right. He wants to fucking kill this guy because he killed his partner, who he's probably in love with, which is why he's filleting that banana. So Doc wakes up handcuffed, and then he manages to escape. You digging then, what I'm putting down? I am picking up. And he kills both Puck and Adrian. Bigfoot appears and rescues Doc, but after yeah, but driving they him Doc home. Yeah, Doc some fucking lumbo. Yeah, know? they get him wet. Yeah, fucking wet. Doc Burn. learns that he's been set up, and all the smuggled heroin from the Golden Fang has been planted in the trunk of his car. Instead of incurring the wrath of the drug dealers, Doc hides the heroin in his house and arranges for the drugs to be returned to Crocker Fenway, <laughs> to Ponica's father, in exchange for Coy's freedom after we see Doc picking him up from uh, from the cult and taking him home. What's all this? It's a credit card. Don't hippies have them. Yeah, I must have meant it. Why is your mother handing me this? It's not for you. Oh. Yeah. You're supposed to tell him, well done. Welcome back to the main herd. Safe journeys. That's journeys plural. Well done. Welcome back to the herd. Safe journeys. Okay, I guess I can remember that. So we got Sancho and Doc watching the Golden Fan being repossessed into the ocean. And then at home, Bigfoot kicks down Doc's door to check in on the state of affairs. Like a- he fucking barrels it down. Well, go back to the scene where um, the the Golden Fang is getting dragged in. 
Doc okay. asks Sancho, he goes, so who got her? And Sancho says, the Department of Justice. And Doc says, so justice has been served. And, Doc, and uh, Sancho says, that's exactly right, Doc. That's, exa- that's exactly right. And so, and then Mortal Liege has that whole fucking monologue about the USA. May trust be blessed. Ship is uh, the bestest metaphor. I don't know. I'm not going to read it now because I'm drunk. But she, she goes on this whole monologue that really kind of sums up what the movie's about. Then again, it goes back to the fact of the ship being a metaphor for both Shasta and the, the, the country as a whole. Well, it's, I mean, it's, my man Tenet also um, talks about how Dr. Rudy Blatnoid used to have his way to his. Oh, you're going back. Tenet, Tenet's the lawyer. Is that you're going back to that? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he fucked the daughter. That's why he's, he's, he's against it. Yeah. His original, to the original cast recordings of Broadway musicals. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up, man. I know. Blatnoid was a scumbag, and, and that's why he got killed. And a, and a horrifying trampoline accident. Yeah. And it doesn't really tie, and it really doesn't tie in to the the mystery as a whole. It's a a side, it's a tangent. They still reference this. No, it's a tangent that ties in, but it doesn't really affect you know the story as a whole. Come into my final thought, man. Doc's been busy trying to figure out which side of the zigzags the sticky side. He gives (laughs) Bigfoot a hit of his joint, and the two communicate together before Bigfoot eats everything from Doc's ashtray and leaves. The most random fucking scene of the movie. Now, did this this scene really happen again? You okay, brother? I'm not your brother. No, but you need a keeper. You need a keeper. Now, did this scene really happen? Or was it, again, Doc is an unreliable narrator. Is this in Doc's head? And the reason I ask this is because there's that sequence where they both say the same thing at the same time, which would have never happened. Right. So it had to be. At least more than once. So it it, kind of. They spent a good two minutes. It leads you into believing that it's all in Doc's head. Like, again, Doc really wants to like Bigfoot. He really wants those two to be on the same side. Or maybe just Doc really wants a Bigfoot-type friend. Now, you no, know, I think he wants to be friends with Bigfoot, but I think he knows that Bigfoot is a fucking re- reactionary asshole, and they can never see eye-to-eye. And I think that's what that scene so represents. You don't, I don't so think you, that happens. So you, you don't I don't think, that, think that Bigfoot breaks in. Big, no. Yeah, I, I, I think the entire yeah, last yeah, five Doc minutes of the movie are in Doc's head. Like, like, and then, and then the, the scene that follows this is Doc and Shasta in the car. I think the entire, the, the last five minutes of the movie happened. But this Doc's time, head. he tells her that doesn't matter. That, that, that doesn't mean that they're about together. Right. To call back well, to the earlier they, scene. Uh, where is this? They speak of the uh, the day of the Ouija board. Shasta says, this feels like the same way tonight. That's Doc's, like, that Ouija board day was Doc, that was like Doc's. That was his, that was his. That was the peak. Trip yeah, that was the peak of the relationship for him, and he yeah. keeps he keeps going back to that and referencing that. He's referencing through Shasta, but I, again, if you look at it the way I do, that Shasta and Doc never share a scene in the movie. Anything with Shasta is coming through Doc's point of view, and so she says, uh, "Just us together, almost like being underwater. The world, everything gone someplace else." And then Doc says. Just figured it was sort of lead setting us up. No, she knows things, Doc. Maybe about us that we don't know. This don't mean that we're back together. Doc gets to say this don't mean we're right. back together. 
and that it's that again. Doc's point of view. He's he's we'll on see. top. He, he's the, he's the king of the mountain, saying this doesn't mean we're back together. Like it, whatever their relationship goes is up to him in this fantasy. And then at the end of the credits is the quote: "Under the paving stones, the beach." And that is 2014's Inherent Vice from Paul Thomas Anderson. That concludes our plot breakdown. Let's get into trivia tidbits. Now remember that, because the more you know. So Dr. Blattenoid's office cannot possibly be in a larger corner room like with large windows on both sides based on the exterior shot of the Golden Fang building. Oh, I didn't question that. Kind, of like, kind of like a shining thing. Yeah, yeah, where is it? You're questioning it. No, I can't show it to you. We're, no, I mean, I thought uh, you had some information about it. No, 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 no. I was, I was one of the things I wrote down. Oh, I was going no, through I, my I, I think it looks great. That uh, was a scene that confused me the first time we saw it. I was like, I don't know. I didn't really buy into that scene, but... Ooh, when he goes when he goes up to the top of the golden fang and then the whole blotnoid sequence, I didn't buy it the first time. I but watching it again, I, I really got into it. The, They're the saying it's not physically possible to have windows on both sides. What's I, that? They're saying it's physically impossible to have windows on large windows on both why? sides. Did they explain why? Because of the way it looks on the eye. I don't know. <laughs> just just from the, the exterior. But shot. you don't really like when they do a back shot. It's it's blatinoid against the um like a paneled wall. You don't see windows, so nah. I don't know what the, the nah. problem was. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was originally attached to the lead role, but Joaquin Phoenix ended up taking the role due to Paul Thomas Anderson deciding I he wanted to work that. with Phoenix again. Downey reported that Anderson thought he was too old for the role, essentially not because of scheduling conflicts. That would have been interesting, but at the Joaquin, time he was Joaquin Phoenix on. is very fucking good in this role. Yes, he just sells That it. guy is so fucking good, man. It's, I mean, you almost no, want to believe that I'm still Denying here. Denying that. Where he, you know, fake being a rapper and all that stuff. <laughs> that movie, yeah. I mean, hey, he committed, you know? Uh, to celebrate the, the premiere of the film, the famous Alamo Draft House Theater in Denver, Colorado, where marijuana use is permitted by law, <laughs> organized a party bus tour where attendees were encouraged to smoke as much marijuana as they saw fit. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson was present on the bus, but admittedly declined to partake in the festivities. <laughs> yeah, Paul. So with this film, Paul Thomas Anderson is depicted every decade of the 20th century, except for the 1930s. There Will Be Blood covered the 80s, the 1890s through 1920s. The Master covered the 40s and 50s. This covered the 60s and 70s. Boogie Nights covered the, the 70s and 80s. And Heart 8 and Magnolia depicted the 90s. He also covered the first decade of the 21st century when he filmed Punch Drunk Love. I never looked at it that way. That's, that's an interesting way to see it. I always knew he was big on uh, period flicks, but I never like broke it down to a chronology like he that. He has literally covered every <clears throat> single decade of the that's, last. That's very interesting. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, they had this he he made his movies. His movies pumps. are about the American experience in the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why I find them so interesting. And finally, according to Josh Brolin, he and Joaquin Phoenix shot several versions of the progressively weird moments between their characters, which were crazier and crazier, so Paul Thomas Anderson had options when editing the film. Yeah, again, it goes back to the relationship those two had throughout the movie. It was a very interesting, probably the most interesting relationship in the movie. Was, uh, oh, Doc, hands down. Was, was, Doc, was, was and, Doc and, and Bigfoot? And Bigfoot. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's that again. Dichotomy. They really that, wanted to like each sy- other, the, but they the, the symbiosis. Yeah, they wanted they're, to like each necessary. other, but their their outlooks have a counterculture. Their outlooks of the the world just kept them from <clears throat> fucking meeting in the middle somewhere. Like, yeah. they, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. very like. There's a lot of people nowadays who like won't talk to somebody because they voted for Trump or because they voted for Biden. It's the same fucking thing. We're still going... That's why Paul Thomas Anderson movies are so brilliant because we're still going through the same shit. It's not like he's like just like making a pointless like, hey, look at the way the world used to be. It's like, no, we're still fucking fucking dealing with the same garbage. You know what I mean? All right, box office receipts. In the operational funds box... We will deposit 250,000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. So, oh, my God. This had to be the lowest of any movie he's ever released. Inherent Vice premiered on October 4th, 2014 at the New York Film Festival before being released to the masses on December 12th, 2014 from Warner Brothers. The initial theater count, because it was one of those L.A. New York joints, five. But then when it opened up wide, the, the widest release saw 645 screens uh, watched uh, screening the movie. Opening weekend, again, limited. Opened up in 20th spot uh, with 328,000. <laughs> that sounds so much. That sounds so right. Second, that sounds so right. Second, second, Drink weekend, Drink second weekend, it drops 55.7%. <laughs> Down the 25th, <laughs> grossing $145,000. <laughs> total That's gross. Perfect. That's so fucking perfect. Total gross $14.7 million against a $20 I million never budget. That, I would never guess that much. I would have yeah. cut that in half. In January, it really opened up. After the holidays, yeah. it opened up as usual. Through these That's kind of film nerds. That's like Paul Thomas Anderson geeks who went out and, across the country who went out and saw it. Because um, if you're not a... I, there's no fucking like way. Us. If you're not dorks a Paul like Thomas us. Anderson geek, that you would have went and seen this movie <laughs> based on any description of it. Yeah. Like, who the fuck would have went and saw this movie? I'm sorry, I'm vomiting on myself. Nah. Uh, there's no way that nobody would have went and saw this movie if they were not a Paul Thomas Anderson fan. No. Based on the script, like, a movie about a fucking dirty hippie. There was probably a handful of, like, Lebowski heads that thought they were going to get a new Lebowski out of it. A lot even, of people didn't people see it. Like for, I, I, I think Warner Brothers... I'm the not fact that they the put ball. it out, they deserve, well, they let, me, deserve uh, let, me, let me finish. Warner Brothers, I think they really dropped the ball in the marketing. Yeah. How do you market uh, had, this fucking movie, though? It, but they had a strong campaign. I remember seeing a lot of TV spots for the movie, and, and you know, the, the every single movie I saw around the time had the, this, the trailer before it. But what I'm saying is they marketed this as another stoner comedy and it's not that. Way to go. It's not that. Is there though. any other way to go? Go it, the Noir road. No, the Noir. No, it, it, it is. That is the way to go. But 
I don't think you can market you this movie. But, I'm sorry. but you but you can't expect every stoner to come in and mm. get the joke. I don't know. Did, Make did, it like this a noir was a, with a twist, a comedic twist or something. You know, this was well, a no win situation for the department for the uh, uh, just, advertising department on this. Here's something simple: the new film from Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, that, that you, that's all you can do. There's no other way you can fucking market this movie. It just it doesn't make sense you, to the average it, audience. As far as you know, the, the the smart stoner PTA comedy isn't that what you two fellas that you know what be? across the country that equates to fourteen million dollars which is what this movie got I think I'm that it I made think perfect the sense that this movie made fourteen that's, million that's, dollars that's, yeah that's I think it's appropriate you, that's yeah. What you, that's what you yeah, that's, it out to this see. movie's not going to make $80 million. Are you kidding me? There's yeah. no fucking way in pot. No. There's just no way. No, we $14 million is appropriate for this movie. We drove movie. to Philly for this experience. Right. And it, and, and it's not like we drove to the film to see it for, you know, it's it's tremendous marketing that, no, that, no, that no, turned no. us all into the we film. We were Paul Thomas Anderson fans. Exactly. Right. So, so we're part of that niche. Th- this was right. never meant to be... A, a blockbuster. It was never going to be a blockbuster. Or even a, or right. even a mid-grade hit. It's yeah. just not... Like, you're hitting four quadrants. And you're right. It's I'm not su- that kind of fucking movie. And you're right, Justin. I'm surprised it made $14.7 yeah, that, million. That's exceptional for the movie so, like this. Biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, I'll kick off. So my initial notes after watching were I really do love the cast of this of this movie. It's not too big, but it really does pack up a massive punch with everyone participating uh, with uh, great delivery. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a very bizarre cast overall you look at it in the grand scheme the people that are in this you go from like Martin Short to fucking Josh Brolin who at the time was in everything around this even that old boy remake that we're not gonna and talk about and what did Martin and Short do before this nothing really right. and he still is kind of like he's got that show on Hulu with Steve Martin that right. I hear is doing well other than that you know When's I love last, Martin Short. When's the last Father of the Bride? I don't know. The last big movie I remember him being in was what? Mars Attacks. Right. I love. I. I absolutely. Adore I love Martin, Martin Short. Short. Yeah. I, I adore him. I maybe yeah. you know Clifford I, is it underrated Clifford comedy. Is, I'm so Clifford glad you said that, dude. Clifford, we need to do a Clifford episode one I'm, day because I, I think I am hundred percent down for a Clifford episode. Oh my god. And I see you shaking your head. It's currently it just be me and Ed. I'll, we'll do it together. Exactly. We it, it, fucking playing with fire, boy. <laughs> it's currently free on YouTube. So. I got a DVD copy. I'll watch my copy. Hell yeah. I love you Clifford. Wood. Clifford is fucking... That scene where Charles Grodin goes, would you just act like a normal human boy? <laughs> <laughs> it's Face worth it for that yeah. alone. That is the funniest scene in movie history. Yeah, Cliff, oh my Cliff God, is great. So him and jo- him and Charles Grodin. Holy shit! All right, so back to this. So Johnny Greenwood score and the soundtrack overall really add to the film. Robert Elswit is a, such a phenomenal cinematographer yeah. who can shoot the shit out of a movie. Yeah. I'm not a reader. 
but watching this film definitely makes me want to seek out the novel. PTA is one of my favorite filmmakers, but I really think he's one of the best comedy filmmakers between this the Phantom, Th- Phantom Thread. Boogie Nights. Boogie, Boogie Nights, Nights is Nights funny. Yeah. Punch Boogie Drunk Nights Love. Sorry, guys. It's got some funny stuff in it. <laughs> uh, and my final note here is Joaquin Phoenix is one of the best actors ever. Boom. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I said it. I said it. I don't, I don't it. disagree with anything you said. Absolutely. But Joaquin Phoenix might be my favorite current actor. Like, the yeah, actor think, of his generation. Yeah, I, I, I still I so. swear by Jeff Bridges, but, like, Joaquin Phoenix is the the best actor of his generation. And it's so funny because it was supposed to be his brother. Yeah. And like, he, he did it. Like you got to kind of dig that. There's something pretty cool about that. Jeff Bridges, <laughs> RIPD. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is a movie that like, like I said, that night that we went and saw it, I didn't, I didn't fall in love with it. I watched it again when it came out on cable. I liked it even less. <laughs> so and I was actually excited when you said that this was the movie because I've always been meaning to go back and rewatch it. Right. And I just fucking fell in love with it, man. Like yeah. everything that I didn't get about it the first two yeah. times, like just really clicked into place this time. They really, oh yeah. They really do that. Third oh time. man, it's so and, and that's how time. it kind of did. Like I said, with like, like there will be blood. Like I didn't get there will be blood until like the third or fourth time that I watch it. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is what it's about. I remember coming yeah. out of the theater in Philly that night thinking I don't know how I feel about this but yeah, I really yeah, cause, cause and I, we, but I remember really wanting to like there's it there's a lot all, going on I remember telling myself it was good it was good like, Ed. We, we, we walked down those two blocks to the the little moonshine bar or whatever yeah. but we kind of kept to ourselves man we were still we were still kicking the movie around in our heads. And I remember telling you guys, I, I didn't cool love it. Like, I, I, I remember that. I yeah, remember I remember that. being like, yeah. I, I, ju- I didn't love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I almost started second-guessing, like, why not that was... It was just a lot to take in. Right. Like, that's what yeah, I realized was, now that I've now that i taken it in. I was like, it was just too much to take in. There was a lot going on. Yeah. It so. requires multiple viewings, and it took me to the third one to really, like, fully appreciate it, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, what 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 I took away from it? I mean, first of all, this film is its own MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. The entire film is nothing but MacGuffin. It's pretty for much MacGuffin's sake, right? It's like the I MacGuffin mean, passes along in a different form each scene, right. and yeah. and and because of that, it's like four MacGuffins, yeah, right, <laughs> and because of that. A reluctant narrator, Larry Sportello, he's consistently falling asshole over elbows into success via web of unscrupulous acquaintances who he may or may not have contact yeah, with. Yeah, even even as an unreliable narrator, he's still a kick-ass detective. And yeah. He just stumbles, but he stumbles He might victory. be a stumble bum, but whatever it is, he, 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 he gets it done. Right. I mean, granted, he may keep, he keeps information to himself, but it's not like he went and sought it. He just happened to be grabbed by this person rapping. He's not a complete crazy me. person or moron. Like, he, he, he might be crazy, but he's still, like, very adept at his job. Yeah, um... I have another note that says, uh, Josh Brolin fucking rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking Brolin. He's awesome. Bigfoot Bjornsson, top notch in my book. And my final note is, I love it 
when Paul Thomas Anderson comes to play in that 70s Southern California sandbox. Yeah, you really can't beat it. Yeah. That's, That's why I'm very much. I don't. I don't lic- think licorice pizza. I don't think licorice pizza is going to crack my top five. I don't think it's going to be that kind of movie. We don't know. But I think it's going to be fucking we'll find amazing. Out in a month. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing, and I'm really looking forward to like dipping into that time frame from his through his lens. Yeah. yeah. Well, he ain't perfect. It's a mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again. Would you make the same choices? Me, I, 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 I feel like I say this a lot with movies, but I mean, I, I say trim it with it. love. Yeah, trim at least yeah. twenty minutes from yeah. this, probably. And he's guilty of this in pretty much every movie he's ever done. So yeah, if I, I put it here, I wrote here probably, no, no, and he'll, and he'll admit it. But we'll never watch probably it. nicks a bunch of scenes with just Doc and Sortilege, as it just I feel like confuses the audience at times. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know where else you can really trim it from. I mean, there are some things that are just much. I, f- I feel like I remember Owen Wilson. Uh, I feel like Owen Wilson was in this a lot more than I remember him being. In. Yeah, I, I, I agree. thought he was in a one. Yeah, and exactly. Done scene, no, he's, but he's like watch a, this he, again. He's, he's in like a, a three or four character. scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, whoa, okay. It's not a cameo. It's a supporting. And he plays character. a massive role in the plot, yeah. which I didn't really realize. Yeah. you know, going around. Yep. But um, yeah, it's a trim job. Fifteen mm-hmm. twenty minutes, and you know, other than that, there's, there's nothing else I would change in this film about the film. So. Right? Yeah, about you? I, I don't know. Would I change anything? Like I, I, I'm kind of on the same page as you. Where like, just see if there's anything. And, I mean, and this there, movie there's is two and a half hours, and that's just, and there's nothing. That's that spring, a long There's time. nothing that springs to mind to me where it's like, oh, you should trim this or you should trim. It's that. hard to find out what you want to trim. Yeah, I'm sure that there's things where it could. Or hard to pick a scene to trim or whatever. But, but um, it's got to get done at some yeah, point. I, I'm on board <laughs> with pretty much the entire thing. Um. I'm with you that there's probably something you could trim, but I just don't know off the top of my head what it could yeah, be. Yeah, right. It, it's there, but I mean, but it, and it's a, it's a dense movie, and I don't know if this is the fault of the filmmaking or, like I said, you need to watch it two or three times for it to really wash over you and make sense. And mm-hmm. I I kind of think that's the intention, so I'm not going to hold it against him. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to go. You need to make it make more sense. I I think it's designed that way on purpose. Man, Sean, I can't either. I mean, yes, it's long. It's long in the it's long in the fang. I wouldn't even <laughs> say it's long in the tooth. It's long in the fang. Um, but it's. I, I mean, I don't know. You okay. it, Sancho Smilax. Eighty-six Sancho Smilax, but no, I don't want to see Benicio del Toro leave. So that's about the only thing. Like, like maybe if I, if you put a gun to my head, and I gotta put a gun to something else's head, I would have to put a gun to Sancho Smilax's head. So but, like maybe scenes. one of the scenes of Penny. Who's Penny? Who am I, I'm Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I don't know. Like the scene where her and Doc are having sex. Yeah. I think you can make, but although sex. that's the scene where um where he sees Owen Wilson at the Nixon right. rally. So I don't know. Yeah, you, and, I don't and, know. And, you and, you it, and it also sells. But I agree. That, to me, the the, the 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 relationship between him and Penny is the weakest link. But again, 
It took me until this. Oh, last, apparently, this, originally they wanted to be they wanted to add more scenes. Yeah, no, it, it it took me until this last viewing to realize that Penny is using him. It's not a real relationship. Right. It's just, it's strictly professional. All right, now to our favorite moments. Finger looking good. <laughs> Finger licking good. Two words. Martin Short. His two yeah. scenes steal the show for me. Can't argue with that. I've said that. I mean, I don't know what else I can really say to elaborate on what we talked about earlier with the, with this these two scenes, but I, I think he's just a comedic genius. Um, less is more, yeah, especially with him. And, uh, he's Root. the one part of the movie, in my opinion, where it it, ve- it veers on going over it's the a top, straight up comedy. But he does it. He, he, he straight up comedy. He, 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 he brings right it right on the he, edge. He, he brings it. Yeah, yeah. He fucking delivers. Yeah, no, I got too. no problems with his performance. He really brings it, and he's a hoot every time. Yeah. From the time we saw it in the theaters that night to several hours back watching yeah. it again, this he's just the best part of the film, in my opinion. I look forward to his appearance. And I like how it's halfway through, you know, so it's not like in the beginning and the rest of it's like, what? He's right, you know, he's, he's the best part, in my opinion, so. Um, my favorite, I guess, I don't have a particular scene, but like just Joaquin Phoenix's entire performance. Yeah. It's it, just... I think it's very different from everything else he's done. And he, uh, he might be my favorite like Jeff Bridges was my favorite actor for a long time, and now I think it might be like of this generation is Joaquin Phoenix. You know, I'm I'm not going on any kind of he, limb saying yeah, that. The I think guy's got nuance. A lot of people there's, think that. So. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back that up. Right? Yeah, I'll I mean, back that up. And it was the master that made me come to that conclusion. Like his performance in that movie is just ridiculously good, and it's so 180 from what he does as Doc Sportello. And what he does as a Joker, it's just the guy's many, the guy's guys, range. Is, to his he is he is the Brando he's, of he's, this generation. He's, 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 like if DDL's got to retire, I'll hand it to JK. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he JKP. just the guy does some really ridiculous fucking yeah, shit. I'm so it's you. like I'm with you. His, Check it, out. You were never really here. Yeah, have you ever seen? No, that? I've seen. I've seen. I, yes. I don't love that movie. I just oh, I just bought again. I went last week for this. Um, Criterion Collection, 50% off, and I bought Lynn, Lynn Ramsey, who did You Were Never Really Here. Right. I bought her, I don't know if it's her first movie, but Ratcatcher. Have you ever seen Ratcatcher? I think that's her first movie. I've I remember. It. I know it's Criterion. I've never I seen remember it. adoring Ratcatcher, and I haven't seen it since. And I just bought it like the yeah, other day. I, I was like, fuck film. it. 50% yeah. off, I'm going to buy it, 15 bucks, whatever. I didn't love You Were Never Really Here. Okay. I feel like I need to go back and watch it again. It was one of the more stronger films of 2017. I know people love that movie, and for some I reason... I watched it. I it's watched it dark, once. Yeah, it's I don't know. It seems it, right up my alley, but for some reason... It didn't leave a striking impact it on me. It didn't leave an impact on me Rewatch at all. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to rewatch it. And um, I don't even know what we were talking about. Oh, why, why, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he's probably my, my finger looking good. Yeah. Not, not any one particular scene, but just throughout right. the entire movie. Sean? For me, it's um, pretty much any scene that that Doc's gotta have in you know in the diner, you know. Um, You're gonna get good and fucked up that scene <laughs> when he's 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 got he's got that scene with Sancho Smilax, 
you know, you're going to want to get good and fucked up before this meal. Is there another or diner scene? It's Moto Panakeko. Oh, right, right. You're right. You know, so, yeah, so, right. it's, so it's when when Doc sits down for a meal. Yeah, those are good colleagues, scenes. Yeah. Whether, whether, whether it be his counsel or his... Um, Nemesis. Adversary, <laughs> right. right? You know those. That's that. That makes for some fun Doc Sportello mm-hmm. shit. That and um, just Joaquin's fucking sideburns, dude. That is fucking dedication. The guy's so good, man. To crap. It's, it's not even like, fair. Like you could do it. You could pull it off. Like yeah, I can't grow. I, I, you, you grow a hell of a beard. Mm-hmm. You can grow a hell of a beard. I look like homeless. I look like the I look like the love child between Emilio Estevez and Keanu Reeves if he if he if he lived on the street for twelve years. That's what I would look like with 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 facial hair. But you could grow that shit in and then shave it down just like right there, right in the front, and grow yourself some Sportellos, man. Mm -hmm. I can't do that shit. I gotta grow myself a Doctor Strange. All right, final thoughts. I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed. I think I can speak for the three of us collectively <laughs> with this final thought in general. This movie is just, it's its a great Paul Thomas Anderson movie that you top should just notch. seek out. Top notch, you know. It's hilarious. It's got a good cast. Uh, it, it doesn't overstate its welcome. Well, maybe a little funny. bit in I got some areas, at. but it's overall like it's just a movie you're gonna cherish. It gets better with multiple viewings, and um, it, it definitely gets the uh, the highest seal of approval or one of the highest seals of approval possible from the film effect here. The episode is sponsored by the California Sun because certain movies like this aren't complete without that California sunshine coming at you. <laughs> so yeah, another episode in the books. One down, many more to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and want to continue to support the show, then please do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever accessible because it helps us with the algorithm, and we just love hearing from everyone. And while you're at it, check out our website at podpage.com, where you'll find our ever-growing collection of previous episodes, and buy some merch from tpublic.com slash user slash film effect podcast with brand new designs coming just in time for Christmas that I'm working on. And uh, so buy up, buy up, grab some stuff. Got a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, the holidays coming up. Get them film effect uh, merchandise. It's, uh, yeah, do that. Uh, coming up next week on the show, we'll be back next Tuesday talking about what's well, going to be awards month. So every episode this coming month of December will be a previous best picture winner, starting with Parasite from 2019. Hmm. We'll be talking about that next week. Looking forward to that conversation. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. You see that? And I went and saw it together. You know what? Fuck both of you guys. Ah! You two assholes. The night this came out, I'm like, Ed, Justin, Justin, Ed. And you're both like, fuck him, let's go to the movies. It's like The Departed all over again. Yeah, I don't know what the circumstances surrounding that viewing were. Don't worry about it. Neither does he. Gang. We shall see y'all again when those seed lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll.
And for myself, Sean, and Justin, it has been fun, but now it is done. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week with Parasite. Take it easy, guys. Bye, Felicia. Checks your latest. Bye, my love. And you'll be on your way. Then my beautiful bird, you will have flown. Oh, any day now, I'll be all alone. Someone new.